Hey guys, what's going on? This is Collins Process. Today's guest is, I should say this week's guest is Rod Norville. Now Rod Norville is a create a, a connector of sorts. Rod does a lot of di- Rod has been in the field of learning business for a long time as well as running businesses. Rod has touched on the MLN world, he's touched on the financial world, he's touched on <laughs> uh, even a darker world uh, that he gets into. Not gonna say, uh, not gonna say anything about it, but it rhymes with tip club. <laughs> Just gonna say that, but um, yeah, he uh, he's been doing a lot of different things, and what really intrigued me about him when I first met him was just the fact of he he knows all the same stuff that I do when it comes to uh, high performance, high achieving, um, success, the theories around it. I mean, um just listening to the same type of uh, quote-unquote gurus and and, and, and different philosophies and stuff like that. He just knew them all, and I was like, I know how I went about that. I was really depressed, so I went deep into uh, personal development. Um, But he went into personal development partly for the same reason, but more so because he was trying to really expand it and get her done in lack of a better term in 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 the business world and uh for the most part he's done that and uh it was just like a it was a really cool conversation sitting down with him because we just everything that i just mentioned we talk about um success what people what makes people want more what people have to do to get more we just we we just have a really cool conversation about that kind of stuff there is not a person who will listen to this that won't learn something. I've been in the personal development world for almost 15 years now. And um, yeah, there's always new stuff to learn because uh, every personal development philosophy comes from a person. And uh, you can always learn something from every person you meet. So with that, please sit back and learn something from Rod Norville. You are now listening to The Process of Colin Cummings. That's my intro song right now. You like that? That's that's it. That's all I got. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Free is the key word for me. Free is... is <laughs> and people go, nothing's free. <clears throat> well, we're part of like a what's called a compensated community. So it's basically leveraging... What can I do to help you? What can you do to help me? How can we help each other? Yeah, like an so, energy exchange yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, you got it. You got it. So I'll shut up so we can do what we do. <laughs> <clears throat> and let me tell you, I'm really excited to do this for you. Like, just with you, for you, for us. Whatever yeah. this is for, I don't even know, bro. I've never done one of these, eh? Like, no? I've done I've done public speaking, but I've never done this like in a, like this, no? Really? Never. That's surprising. Yeah, never, never, never. That's actually very surprising to me. Do I need to... Put this off, or I don't want it to make noise or do anything crazy. My personal assistant is now a virtual assistant because she's out in Edmonton, and she's like, "Are you with Colin right now?" Because she manages my Facebook. Yeah. So she's seen like some conversations and stuff that she's. She's like, "Are you with Colin right now?" <laughs> so she's just messaging me. So I'm just gonna send her some 
pictures. Just um, it's turning off one alarm. <coughs> okay, so taking my page. Okay, and don't let this go off. Okay, I am off. All right, good All to right. go. All right, yeah. today's setup's a little different. Yeah. When I had Brandon here, I actually had like no headphones. It was actually oh, lav yeah. mics, okay. like body mics. But I find that this this kind of audio is more dependable. Mm. There's a little bit of like uh, frequencies and stuff like that when you're dealing with somebody of his energy level. Frequencies. He tends is to... so crazy <laughs> when we were coming here because we were talking and with Michelle and and they have a, a team of about five people that they work on multiple projects together. Yeah. And multiple streams of income and we're now one of their they're adding us to their conglomerate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you had told me about Brandon V and I'm like Brandon V. I'm like Brandon but did like yeah, his yeah. name's like this long name right yeah. and I'm like is it the same guy and it's like yep. So I was asking them, um, and they knew. Yeah, they knew about you. No, that's, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I just turned really this off, but I just thought, Todd, is he, would it throw us off or if he stood over there and took pics? No, us? he can do whatever he needs okay. to. Is that good there? Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. Right. Here, hand that to me so I can just put it on the desk. Yeah, one. we can grab it. All right, it's a it's a it's a different type of intro with you because there's so much going on as you got here and <laughs> leave all that out. Scare yeah, people. <laughs> yeah. The pre there should be a podcast that specializes in showing the pre talks because the pre talks yeah. are always very different and interesting raw, in yeah. the raw. Yeah, yeah. uncut. But uh, thank you for that. Thank mm -hmm. you for Todd as well. Um, <clears throat> I'm here with uh, Rod Norville saying that right right yeah perfect um yeah so we're here today this is the process the web the podcast about mindset habits and behaviors and what makes people want more what causes that mental shift inside of people and uh let's let's begin i didn't actually know what to call you actually because you, you're a little multifaceted what, what would you actually go by if somebody had to like explain you in a word I was funny as you're saying that. What would I go by? Uh, Rod works um, <laughs> as my name, but we mean as, as far as what do I do? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That I've never really had a direct answer to as far as like, as far as for like work or a career. What is it that you do? Yeah. Um, but it, the best way to sum it up, I'd say, is I like the I like the term connector. Okay. I like to connect people, uh, what they want, what it is they're after to any vehicle or an opportunity or connect them with the right people leveraging i call it relationship equity you know people that okay. you know uh that can help benefit them so a lot of times for me it's been in business you know and if people want to make a career change or they're entrepreneurial and it's mindset that they need to kind of get them over that hump of their belief yeah um, whether it's me myself or connecting to someone that can help so i, li I like connector okay I like connector okay yeah that's really i i want to get to the point where i'm where I'm like that, where I'm like, I'm just going to call myself a connector. Cause I know that you're a speaker, yeah. you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. There's so many like different things that you do, but you get to like sum it up in that way. And that's really cool. Um, so let's start it off with, since we just got who you are, 
that you're a connector. Um, I like this started off because I think this can tell people more about you than your name. If we go with what is your why when it comes mm. to like what you do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, to answer my why, I guess it takes me back to who I am, where I came from. So, uh, I'll keep it short to, so we can keep moving, but my mom and dad were both registered nurses, right? Okay. So I didn't come from, from money. I watched my mom and dad work really, really hard, but I grew up probably hearing like a lot of people, you know, we don't need to keep up with the Joneses. Money doesn't grow on trees, trees. and, and all of this stuff, you know, <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, yeah, I got that money doesn't grow on trees and we don't need to keep up with the Joneses. Who are these Joneses? How do you get to be one? That's what I used to think. <laughs> um, but but what really what was interesting is I watched my mom and dad work really, really hard. We didn't want for like, you know, we weren't like really, really bad off. But we I knew there were people living differently. You know, yeah. like when you're driving in a car and you look over and you see someone driving a car. If you're a car person, you look over, and you're like, man, and we all think the same thing. Right. We're like drugs. You know, <laughs> you, you got to justify it some way. You know, you're working hard. It's like, man, they got to be bucking the system. But um, what I had figured out is, no, maybe they had found a different way, a different vehicle of how to make money or, or to make a living. And I watched my mom and dad work hard, but at the end of the day, it was still, you know, we don't need that. We don't need to keep up with the Joneses. And it was very, you know, they did the best they could. So I didn't come for money. It's not like my dad was, you know, sitting around saying, Hey, I could be financially independent if I want to. I just don't want to. That wasn't it. You know, he worked really hard. Um, but at the end of the day, I watched that and uh, I played sports growing up, uh, rep hockey at a high level, I watched friends that I played with go on to play in the OHL and then in the NHL. Guys that I still, the names, I mean, if they ever see this, they know like Chris Snell and Rob Pearson and Dale Craigwell. I watch these guys go on and play in the NHL. Watch them go on and play in Europe at the end of their careers and come back to Oshawa, you know. And I always had that kind of desire to want to have a life or the lifestyle that sports could afford. But I played hockey and back in the day, it was a different game than it is today. Mm. Uh, my friends were like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and I wasn't. You know, <laughs> so I, but I still had that desire to want to do something special with my life because of that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So from an early, I guess, point, I guess I realized that, you know, you didn't have to be an above average person. You just needed a, an above average desire to want yeah. to do something. Yeah. And I always had that. It just could It didn't transfer in sports. It ended up transferring into business. Yeah. And that's kind of where it was, where it started. Wow. So I like that above average desire. Mm. is the thing that's true that's that's true actually yeah because uh yeah for me like i because i'm definitely not oh I, other people will say differently because my desire like mm. shows now but like i don't consider myself an above average person at all i just yeah. kind of like wanted something more yeah so to that what is uh the more that you wanted mm. okay so yeah absolutely so the more was freedom Okay, possibly because I watched my mom and dad, like I said, work hard. Yeah. Um. So I think that's a lot of people out there today. I mean, kids, right? Kids, kids don't hear what we say; they see what they're experiencing, right? So mm -hmm. I'm a father. I have I have children and my wife as well. And I think about kids growing up today, watching their parents work hard, right? Mm -hmm. Working overtime, extra shifts. They got a full time job. They got a part time job. So they're watching their parents work hard. But at the end of the day, if they're still hearing their parents complain about money or say we don't have enough. At some point, you got to wonder if we're teaching our kids by our example that hard work doesn't pay, you know, and then they, they turn on the TV and see Jojo, the drug dealer, never complaining about money. And we wonder why our world's kind of messed up because they're they're following what they see as an example of success or it's it's athletes. 
or, or actresses. And, and that becomes our example of what I want to aspire to become. Why? Because of the lifestyle, right? Yeah. Where the messaging isn't really about that. When, when, when we're looking at what is an example, it, it's, a, you know, of, of, of principles, of values, morals, integrity, all of these things that should be the example of yeah. in a perfect world, what we think our kids would want to emulate, but it's not, it's, it's this. Yeah. And I think uh, for me, because I've been on both sides of it, you know, had money, lost money, made more money, lost money. And at some point you start realizing there's got to be something more. So when you're talking about what is the more, um, I think it's growth. Yeah. I think it's growth. I think it's feeling like you're on the way to becoming better. It's like a lot of people think when I have, then I'll be. Or when I have, then I'll do so I can be. Mm-hmm. And it's it's reversed. It's who are you going to be is going to cause you to do what you need to do so you can have what it is that you want to have. But it starts with who who are you going to be? So yeah. character and, and things like that. And I had to learn, you know, through some hard examples um, sure. along the way, you know, so I failed forward. I really failed forward. Huh. I like that. Yeah. I like it's that. painful. <laughs> as, as I talk to more people, I start to, I see this trend of like, it's like every, every failure is actually a step mm. more so than like a failure, more so than a be. downfall. It's yeah. like every single one is like a step towards Absolutely. Absolutely. the thing that you want. Yeah. Well, you think about life in general. I mean, we learn how to ride a bike by falling off. We learn balance by not having balance. We learn how to walk by falling down. So, I mean, most people, if you, if you're, if you know, you have people listening to this, if they have a good marriage or a good relationship, they probably had a bad one, you know, and you learned what you would tolerate, what you would accept, what was, you know, appropriate, what was inappropriate based on from the past of, of learning from mistakes failing yeah. forward even the word mistake it actually it comes from i remember reading in a book that it comes from theater it's a miss take yeah right like a do-over so so the idea is to learn from it so i know i built multiple businesses and, and teams and and whatnot and we used to do like an assessment you know every 90 days kind of like a look back because you can't connect the dots looking forward right you can only connect the dots looking backward mm-hmm. backwards that's why we talked about hindsight 2020 and whatnot yeah but we used to look at in a 90 day segment of the business, we'd look at what worked, what didn't work, how can we get better? What worked, what didn't work, how can we get better? What worked, what didn't work, how can we get better? And it was always tweaking things that weren't working is what made us better, Yeah. right? So I remember when I, I finally caught my stride in, in the industry of financial services and it was like four or five years into it and you know, you're know you making you know very, very good money and people are like, man, that just happened. I'm like, yeah, it only took me five years to become an overnight success, you know, because yeah. uh, they don't see that part. Mm-hmm. They, they see where you're at now. They don't see, you know, getting uncomfortable and, and studying personal development and, and sacrificing, turning off the TV and making commitments to yourself that life is not a spectator sport. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to sit here and live vicariously through the lives of reality TV when I can go out there and make it happen and have that lifestyle. So when you finally reach perceived i use that now perceived success mm. um it, it it's it's perception so people perceive it and they say oh yeah man i just want to do that but do you want to do what it took for that individual to get there yeah i remember tiger woods used to say everyone wants to hit a ball like tiger woods until they realize what he had to do to be able to hit a ball like tiger woods yeah. and he was out shooting one day and someone said man i'd love to hit a ball like you and he goes no you wouldn't 
you you love the thought or the idea of hitting a golf ball like me. Yeah. But you wouldn't love having to get up in the morning and go hit how many balls I used to hit and then have my hands and my calluses falling off and bleeding and cracked and calloused and, and go back in the house and tape up my hands and then go back and hit another thousand balls. And then the rain start coming down. And I said, oh, it's raining. I'm going to hit 2,000 more. You don't want none of that. <laughs> you don't want none of that. You want to hit a golf ball like yeah. Tiger Woods. So it's cute. It's yeah. cute. That is that is very true. Mm-hmm. That is very very true. When you think about it, I've only just start started realizing that yeah. with certain things because I like I told you I study so many interviewers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And when you're studying interviewers, the one thing you see is how many they've done. And yeah. you're like, oh, okay, that's why he's amazing in his latest yeah. one because yeah. he's done so many, and they talk about so much. Like they they research so much. Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm. so much research and they do so much to it and it's prep, like prep. and that's yeah and that's how i know that i want to do this because i'm like okay yeah like i i, I want to do that stuff yeah and when, to... and when you and when you know you just lit up like i was watching your, your facial expression as you started saying that so that means you're in your vein of what you're passionate about yeah and then it doesn't feel like work exactly like, I, I remember when i fell in love with what i was doing for the first time and it was like i don't know when the work stopped and the place started because it, it all meshed yeah kind of together yeah. you know and that and that's when it, it almost it almost feels like it's effortless you know you're working but it doesn't feel like work yeah and that's why i say to people a lot of times you know people are struggling and where they're at and i'd say things like you know you're gonna spend 80 percent of your waking hours doing something you should probably enjoy it you should you know what i mean you should probably enjoy probably. it probably you're gonna spend 40 years doing it you don't want to look back and go well that was fun no you should probably enjoy it. And, and it doesn't have to be I, I, people in jobs, even, you know, find something to be passionate about, about it. Be, be a light in that workplace, you know, be, be a difference maker or uh, figure out a way to be, to be impact. Yeah. Right. People go, Oh, I only get paid by the hour. I go, no, no, you get paid based on the value you bring to the organization. Mm-hmm. Right. That hourly pay is, is maybe what you started with, but if you all of a sudden increase the value that you bring, indirectly through bonuses through incentives through promotions you will get paid based on the value you bring it's very true yeah yeah that is very true and it's it's hard because like we were just talking about so many people they feel like slaves right like yeah yeah it's hard to like want to bring more value when you feel like you're being sucked dry already in in an organization well it was uh it was it was a tough uh probably going back a few years i was watching this documentary about slavery Mm. and i think i mentioned this to you earlier when we were just kind of talking setting up and it was saying that during slave times that slaves would work for you and you would clothe feed and house slaves that's that's what this documentary was was alluding to and then it said but it got to the point financially, economically, that didn't make sense anymore. What made sense was to put the slaves out, pay them to work for you, and let them figure out how they were going to clothe, feed, and house themselves. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sitting there watching that, I'm like, hang on a second. <laughs> yeah. That sounds to me like slavery is not dead. That sounds to me like we just pay people now and they work for us. Mm-hmm. So uh, they go to work willingly on Monday. And then it's, oh, I hate Mondays. And Wednesday's hump day. And then TJIF, right? Thank God it's Friday. And then they, on the weekend, they rush to do everything that they didn't have time to do during the week. And then on Sunday, they get a pit in their stomach around dinner time. And it's not the meatloaf. It's because <laughs> it's because they're going to a place that they don't passionately love every Monday morning. Yeah. Right? And then it just repeats. So people are wishing their lives away for that weekend. And 
man, we're all going to be on a deathbed someday wishing we could have those days back. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Let me just reset here. Oh, is the sound okay for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds good. Okay. Yeah, that's so true. I used to be one of those people. <clears throat> I've worked many jobs um, where I just hated it. Mm. Hated it so much, like like beyond. Like I told you, I want to public speak myself, and like my first speech that I've written mm-hmm. is actually weird. Todd will probably identify with this. It's like something came over me. Uh, the other night hmm. and uh, I was up until like three, four o'clock in the morning yep. and I just had, I had to write and I'm not a writer. I hate writing. Yeah. Like I hate it. I hate it so much. And I just kept writing and writing and writing and I just wrote up this whole speech about, about how you have to listen very close for your passion because like there's so much in the world coming at Noise. you and if you, if, yeah. and then, and it's your passion's so shy at first mm. that it's just kind of like, Hey, Hey. Yeah, and you don't really know, you know, and you have to really listen close mm-hmm. for it to really get to you. Yeah, and once you figure it out, then it starts, then it starts waving it, it, its it hand. Expands, yeah. It expands. Hey, yeah, I'm here. Like, hey. I'm here. Yeah, it starts showing itself yeah. everywhere. Yeah, um, it's yeah. funny you you mentioned that, and as you're, you're saying that, what's triggering for me is like it's it's very shy at first, right? Yeah. Your passion. You think of the word passion that that you would think that's a big word. Yeah, passion, right? Like it's got weight to it. Um, but in the beginning, we still have our low self-esteem or our limiting beliefs and all of that, which kind of stifles our passion. Of course. Because I always say, you know, I do a lot of coaching with, with uh, people in business and entrepreneurs and whatnot. And I always say human beings are fearful of, re- of rejection and failure just by nature. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're told no more times than anything from the time here. <laughs> we hear no, 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 no yeah. all the time. So fearful of rejection and failure just by nature. So stepping out of a box, getting uncomfortable, whether it's into entrepreneurship or asking for a raise at work or or anything. When you got that little voice in your head telling you, you know, rejection, failure and people have low self-esteem and poor self images. It's tough. Yeah. So that passion, which I believe we all have, I mean. I'm a Christian. I mean, I believe God puts a passion in us and, 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 a, and a purpose for our life. Right. And it's funny. You said it's called the, the process. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's funny. I was talking to a friend the other day and it's like, you know, it's funny. You know, they talk about all the principles in the Bible and, and the promises. Everybody can hear principles. Everybody wants a promise. We're not all loving the process, though. <laughs> it's no. like, how do I get the, the promise? Um because I, I like these principles. They're cool. I like the I like the principles. Yeah, yeah. I want the promise. Promise sounds nice. Yeah. But this process part, yeah. <laughs> this season that I got to go through of pruning and, and and character building and 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 chipping away at my pride and my ego and everything to get to who I'm really supposed to be. That part's not fun. No, no, no it's not. the The reason I call it that is because my whole thing has been a process. Like Mm. I was working like just like two and a half, maybe even less two and a half years ago, I was working in a warehouse. Mm. Um, So having to make the, like the jump from being in that warehouse and working and knowing that kind of life, because I've always worked nine to fives um, and then going to like videography and like making that leap, taking the leap of faith and also learning all this stuff. It's been nothing but a process, but it's, but like when I look back on where I could be still, that's yeah. that's what's made me love the process because yeah. I know the process leads mm. to better things. And the thing, the reason people don't love the process, I think, is because 
it becomes very uncertain yeah. as you're doing it. Yeah. Like the process is never like, this is going to just work. It's like, no, no, you have to work and that's we'll right. See where that takes. That's you. right. I used and to tell people they want it to be easy. Yeah. Right. I used to say, if it's easy, it's sleazy. You don't want easy. <laughs> and you think about the process as you were saying that you think about uh, like a crap pile, you know, a crap pile. Yeah. And if you're going through crap, because everyone's going through crap. When, I, when I'm coaching people, I go, listen, you're either coming out of or going into crisis right now, right yeah. now, everybody. And then people will say, Rod, you don't understand. Uh, I'm going through some stuff. I'm like, hurry up and get through it. There's more on the way, you know, yeah. because that's <laughs> life. I tell people, you want your problems to end? Like, you want a, you want a sure bet solution for all your problems? They're like, yeah. I go, are you serious? Are you ready for this? Do you really want a sure bet solution for all your problems? They're like, yeah. I said, all right, grab pen and paper. Grab pen and paper. Pen and paper, right? Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. You ready for this? You're going you're gonna to take this to heart. Yeah. No more problems. You want no more problems. You want the solution. Yeah. Yeah. Ready? Yeah. Die. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's man. it which is really permanent but that's <laughs> it problems are are what are going to shape us mm -hmm. right problems are what are going to build character if you have the discernment to learn from the problem like what what you went through did you grow from it did you did you get better right we're either going to get bitter or we're going to get better mm -hmm. take your pick and a lot of people choose to get bitter because that's easier but getting better is okay i saw what i did I saw what the impact was. I find people don't make change unless they see the impact like yeah. of, of how it affected other people. Sometimes that'll wake you up or the impact of something we're doing, a bad habit. We don't quit smoking till we got a cancer diagnosis. Uh, guys, we're real slow. Like, you know, we've been treating the girl not the best and now she's leaving. And like we're watching the ball game and she's like packed up, walking out the door. And we're like, hey, where are you going? I'm leaving you. What do you mean you're leaving me? I'm leaving you. When did that happen? months ago i'm packed up now i'm leaving okay wait wait baby we can talk we can talk just at halftime just give me give me give me half an hour. you know what i mean <laughs> we <clears throat> too late yeah right but the impact of that and you realize you know you hurt her you hurt you you hurt children you and if when you get the impact of your actions then change happens mm -hmm. prior to that yeah change yeah it's a cute idea yeah and you have people change for a short period of time. They got great intentions. I intend to change. And we say greatest of intentions are often overshadowed by the least of actions. Hmm. Say that again. I, the greatest of intentions are often overshadowed by the least of actions. I can intend to want to change, but I'm not willing to take the actions to change. So the greatest of intentions overshadowed by the least of actions all day. Yeah. All day. Jeez. All day. <laughs> that yeah. one uh yeah i'm gonna write that down <laughs> i actually have a board there where i put the quotes i saw i the saw that there. coming in yeah that's, that's going yeah. on the board yeah. definitely that's, that's a really good one it's Jeez. very true it's very very true so uh, wow. you learn a lot uh working with people yeah i've worked with people for for years and i just we live in a pretty judgmental society you know you know people are very skeptical as well because mm -hmm. i've worked in many businesses where you're trying to you know, inspire people that their life could be different. And people used to always come up and go, oh, you're a motivator. And I'm like, no, motivation fades. Yeah. Right. So I say I used to say motivation fades, but habits, they endure. So you can't motivate an unmotivated person. Right. Of course. So at best, what you can do is inspire a motivated person to take actions differently than they were taking. Yeah. And in taking these new actions, they might cause a different result. And the result changes their belief. 
So mm. you can't motivate an unmotivated person. Like someone can't just sit home waiting for like the, the clouds to open up and lightning to come through and hit them. And all of a sudden they're moved into action, inspired to change their life. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Right. For most people, we got to hit rock bottom before significant lasting change yeah. is going to happen. Prior to that, it's it's a it's a cute idea. Yeah, I should probably change that. But there's no real commitment to take different actions to cause the change. Mm. So then speaking of habits mm. um, and working with so many people, what are you seeing in terms of the habits that are keeping them stuck? Yeah, most people habits. Um, the first habit is thinking. Mm. It's a mindset. And I know you I've heard you in a few of our conversations talk about mindset of course. and it's everything. And, and I mean, for those of us that, that are believers, it's scripture talks about be re, be renewed by be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. Right. And the and our thoughts and our mind is what causes to come out of our mouth. And in the Bible, it says the power of life and death is in your tongue. Right. Because we can hurt people. We can inspire people. We can move people with our tongue and our words. But the words come from our thoughts and they come from what we're focused on and what we're thinking that that creates the direction i used to always say to people you're heading in the direction of your most predominant thought so whatever you're thinking about is causing the direction in which you're going so when you talk about habits i'm like well no wonder it's so tough i mean people have 10 20 30 40 50 years of a conditioned way of thinking mm. conditioned like it's hard wired like this is the way i think you'll hear people say well that's just the way i've always been I know, but you don't like the result that you're getting. So if you want to change some things in your life, you need to change some things in your life. Thinking the way you thought has always got you there to where you are. So when I'm coaching people and they want a different result in their life, but they're not willing to change habits, which is what we're talking about here. And I'm like, that doesn't even make sense to me. If you could get somewhere you've never been a different place in your life by doing what you've already, what you're currently doing, you'd already be there. So if you think logically, right, Colin, it doesn't make sense that someone could believe they could change their life without changing something in their life. That doesn't even make sense. Yet people do it. <laughs> I want like I think I could become wealthy if I just set up a I don't know the CNE. Remember CNE or Canada's Wonderland? Mm. I could set up like a table and it'd be like, I can tell you your future. It's only 10 bucks. I tell me your future. OK, tell me what you did last year. And tell me. Tell me if you're going to do anything different this year. And it's almost New Year, so this would work perfectly. Uh, you going to do anything different this year? No. So you're going to do everything you did last year, this year? Yes. Your life will be the same, if not worse. Yeah. $10, please. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because cause if you're not going to do something different, you can't expect a different result. And people have heard it all the time. If you're continuing the same activity and expecting a different result, that's insanity. Yeah. So we're living in a crazy world of insanity. People get up at the same time, Right brush their teeth at the same time, have the same breakfast, walk out the door at the same time, get in the car, drive the same exact way to work every single day. In fact, if they get to the point where they don't see the same lady at the same corner walking her dog every day, either she's late or they're sick. She's sick or they're late. Yeah. Because she's in her habitual pattern too. So we're just running our patterns. So yeah, wow. you got to break those patterns. You got to break habits to change your life. Hmm. We're yeah. bound. We're bound by them. So then, yeah. So then, what what is what, what is most of the things that are keeping people stuck? Like, like I mm -hmm. guess it's like not changing and not wanting to change. Mm -hmm. But because hmm. I want to give value to the audience, mm -hmm. I'm trying to always think of like what, what causes people to stay stuck. Yeah, belief. See, in my in my personal belief is, and this may not be everybody's, is 
if people believed that, let me put it this way, human beings, which we all are, human beings act in direct relation and proportion to their belief in themselves and their ability to get a result. I'm going to say that a little slower. What I mean by that, if we believe we can get a result, we'll act. If we don't believe we can get a result, we will not act, right? You and I are sitting here right now and there's a roof and there's a ceiling over our head and neither of us is conscious or even worried about this ceiling coming in. However, we have no idea who built this house. We weren't there when we when they built it. I wasn't. Were you? I was We not. have no ideas when they were putting the last touches on it. If the person that was supposed to finish the part that's going to hold this all up, we don't know that he didn't come home the night before and have his wife tell him that she was leaving him for his best friend. And the next day he came to work and he said, you know what I could do for fun today? We don't know that. <laughs> true? It's true. Yeah, right. Of course. But our belief is the roof's going to stay up. I mean, neither of us is thinking that roof's coming down. Mm. So we can sit here comfortably because we act in direct relation and proportion to our belief in ourselves and our ability to get a result. So people don't change because they don't do what it's going to take to change their belief about themselves. So here's what I mean by that. Personal development is huge in, in my world, right? Mindset. I told you my mom and dad were both registered nurses. I worked in, in jobs and, you know, I worked at McDonald's and I was a manager and then I worked in a factory. So the crabs in a bucket, you become like the people you associate with. That's a true story. Of course. Yeah, right? Tell me who your friends are. I'll tell you who you are. I remember hearing a leader say one time, you will be where you'll be in five years based on two things and two things only. The books that you read and the people you associate with, period. That will determine where you're going to be. Yeah. So if we're not willing to change what's going in here, then nothing's going to change what's going out here. And our belief in ourselves won't change. So when you start reading books or personally developing, you listen to podcasts, you listen to YouTube videos, and you're starting to be, you're starting to trigger things that, that you truly know. I mean, God puts it in us for greatness, right? I like, I become a Christian. I'm like, hang on a second. My daddy is a king. <laughs> why am I picking up scraps and eating scraps? I'm supposed to be the head. I'm not supposed to be the tail, right? All this stuff, you start hearing that, that starts changing your belief, mm. right? You start believing I can do anything that I put my mind to, right? My good friend, Todd, who you met here, um, come here today. And he said, you know, he talks about, you know, God said greater things than me shall you do. He said, go and do what I did. Todd always says, he didn't say go tell people what I did. Yeah. He said, go do what I did. But do you think we believe we could do what he did? No, 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 no. Yeah. So it's easy to tell people what he did. That's easy. That's got nothing to do with me getting uncomfortable and doing something I don't believe I can do. Yeah. But he said, go do what I did. So belief about what I'm worth. So if I've only made 10, 15, 20 bucks an hour, I believe I'm worth 10, 20, 30 bucks an hour. To the point that if I make 20 bucks an hour and I get a job that's paying me 30, I feel good about myself because I believed I was, I, I believe my belief was I'm worth 20, but now I'm making 30. Yeah. But if someone's making 50 bucks an hour and they lose that job and the best they can get is 30, we got two people working the same job for 30 bucks. One feels sad and one is elated Yeah, because he believes he's worth 50 bucks an hour. He believes he's worth 20. They're both making 30. He's excited. He's depressed. So personal development causes you to grow your belief about what you think you're worth which means you'll take different actions. You'll take different actions towards being paid, compensated, remunerated, what you believe you're worth. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I've had a I had a big lesson in self worth this year, mm. in, in in like re in like claiming it, taking back my power, and believing I'm worth a lot more than I am. And it happened, of course, through problems. Mm. There's a bunch of problems that happened, and yeah. and I got to the point where I had to make my resume. <clears throat> I haven't had to do that since I worked in a factory. Right. Right. Um, and of course, like, you know, my factory resume, there was just a lot of lies on it because I just wanted to get the job that I was yeah. going for. <laughs> I was like, these are factory jobs. This will do. I don't really care. I would just like talk. I'm like, I know once I sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to make it towards what I do now in terms of video and everything. Right. Like that. And I wanted to be truthful, of course. And in video, you can't be true. You can't be like, I can do this. And then like, they're like, OK, do it. And I'm like, you can't do that. So I had to write down everything that I've done, mm. everything that I was capable of. Okay. I actually had to write it down. Yeah. I had to actually categorize it. Like, okay, I did this. What did I do in this? I actually had to break it all down. And and when I actually looked at this like page, page mm. and a half, I was like, I was like, I've, wow, I'm I've like, I'm, I'm much different than yeah. I was. Yeah. Like completely different because I had my old resume mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. had that one. And I was like, holy shit, come a long way. It's like it's completely different yeah. now. Yeah. And, and it, like it made me see like, oh, I am worth more because then I took yeah. those skills and I'm like, what do these skills usually get? Yeah. And I'm used to the twelve dollars an hour. I told you there was this person who was charging, uh, taking a. Uh, I was getting paid $50 an hour to make episodes for him. Mm. And I looked at what they usually get paid. Someone with my skill set. And it was like 40, 40, 50,000. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, wow. Yeah. You know, and then a, my belief changed completely. My confidence changed. Yeah. Everything changed. Everything changes. As soon as I learned that. Mm-hmm. And, and the powerful thing is you'll notice when, once you, uh, once that change happens, I used to say it's a paradigm, but it's a paradigm. Yeah. Uh, it's a paradigm shift mm-hmm. in your thinking. You, a mind once stretched to a, a new dimension can never regain its original dimensions. You yeah. can't, once you know, you can't go back to not knowing. So I'll give you a case in point. So I worked in the factory. Then I got into being self-employed in financial services, spent a long career in financial services, made a lot of money, lost money, and then had to reinvent myself. Actually, just recently, this last year, November to November was was a season uh, for for my brothers and sisters under the blood. We call it my time in Malta. When Paul was in Malta and he was told, you know, something great's happening over here, but we're now here and this isn't really working out. But there was no stress because my belief and my knowing is that something good's supposed to happen over here, so I can't die here. But when you're in it, you can't see the forest for the trees. When you're in it, you can't even see past it. And I struggled, like you said, trying to reinvent myself. But there was a knowing, I guess, once you know, you can't go back to not knowing. So I guess at some point you figure out that, okay, this is a season that I'm in, right? If there's chapters in a book and there's a bad chapter, it doesn't mean it's going to be a bad story, Yeah. right? There may be a positive ending, um, but it all comes down to belief. And, and, and something shifted and the energy shifted for those that believe in energy law of attraction stuff like that i always i always laugh with that one because i have friends they'll say i don't believe in the law of attraction and i'm like did you hear what you just said They're like yeah i don't believe in the law of attraction i said yeah i know but you just said it's a law <laughs> so i don't know if you understand when you say it's a law like you could jump off the cn tower and say i don't believe in gravity yeah. <laughs> you're gonna hit the ground right the law doesn't care whether you believe in it or not truth is truth fact is fact law is law and I, I realize that there's a lot of people whose um, their beliefs are based on something that happened in the past and they're kind of stuck. Yeah. And sometimes it takes somebody from a different um, 
looking at your circumstance or your situation from a different angle because you can't see it when you're in it. It might take someone saying, you know, I know how you feel. I felt the same way. And you know what I found out? It's the difference between sympathy and empathy, right? When the sympathy is, oh man, I feel bad for you. That's terrible. She left you. Whew. Dang. Empathy is, I know how you feel. I felt the same way. You know what I found out? That if I could just maybe get around some more positive people when I was feeling like that, like if I could, you know, interrupt my my thinking, if I if I could almost like almost like a distraction from reality, change my environment, I started feeling different. And when I started feeling different, I started acting different. When I started acting different, I started getting different results. You know, it's like act like you want to feel and you'll start feeling like you're acting. Right. Yeah. People say fake it till you make it. I hate that saying because yeah. fake doesn't really work in authenticity. People smell it a mile away. Yeah. So instead of fake it till you make it, I prefer faith it till you make it because <laughs> that works. That's that's uh, yeah, that works. Yeah, that's a good one. That's good. I, I, I always hear uh, face it till you make it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's true. Sometimes when you're going through it, you, you can't see an end in sight. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, man, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's a train. You know, <laughs> it's more of the same. And it's like, oh. Here we go again. Yeah. But uh, no, it's it, it's when you get through it, though, when you when you get to the other side of it and you look back, you're better for it. And and, yes. and for me, kind of what, what's kind of happened over the last year is I've, I've realized that everything I was going through wasn't for me. That's so selfish. When people are going through stuff, what if everyone could take a paradigm shift that it's not for you? What if you're supposed to get through it so you can prove that it can be overcome so you can use your experience to move, touch, and inspire other people. What if that was the perception? It would change everything. Man, that means I'm going to help so many people. <laughs> so, if God believes you can get through it. There's, a, there's something for you to do with it. This didn't happen by accident. I actually always say um, anytime like something like just like outrageous is happening, I'm like, this is going to be a good story for when I'm yeah. a millionaire. See that? <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, everything will shift like that. Because, you know, it's funny. Think about like... Uh, you, do you watch the Olympics? Do you um, no, no, the, I, never I watched Olympics. The Olympics or sports. You know, sports, track and field at all? Okay, track and field I watch. Okay, yeah. so I, I I always think about when we talk about struggles and and challenges, right? That people get to in life, yeah. right? I, I don't have to be athletes, but think about track and field. What I always love in track and field is is in, in Olympics is when they show the story of the, you know they're putting the gold medal on the guy and he's standing there and tears down his eye but then they show him that 6 weeks leading up to the to the games yeah. you know he tore ligaments and they show him like wheeling into the gym putting down the crutches he's got his leg in a cl- in a cast but he's still working out and he's like yeah. he's he's br- and then he overcame all of this to perform at the Olympics. And why he's tearing up is cuz he knows what he went through. And you're sitting there watching, you know, and you're like and we're moved, you know, we're moved because of the, the, the spirit of overcoming. That's yeah. what inspires us. It's the Rocky movies when he's like knocked down. It's it's the it's the underdog coming back. It's that's what lights us up. Why? Because we all have that in us. So it moves us. Mm-hmm. We, it, it speaks to us. It resonates with our spirit. Right. Could you imagine if someone they're putting the gold medal on him and they put the mic in his face and they go, so, man, you you just won the gold medal. You're the fastest in the world. Tell us, what was it like? All the training and the preparation. Could you imagine if the guy went, training? <laughs> preparation? I didn't train at all. That was 
that was a joke. Did you not see the last five meters of the race when I turned around backwards, kind of waved at everybody and won the race? Could you imagine? We'd be sitting there going, throw up. Ooh, that yeah, wouldn't course, move us. Yeah. That wouldn't move us at all. Yeah. It's the challenges. It's true. So like the spirit of overcoming, I like that concept. How do you, how do you bring that out in other people? Because like we see it and we're moved. Mm. We all have it in us. But how do we ignite that in us? For me, I'd have to believe you'd have to have seen an example of it. Mm, We don't know what we don't know. Definitely. So I know there's, I have friends, they were raised by, you know, single moms as an example. Mm. And single moms are powerful. Yeah. Single moms have. That's why I have it on the board, my strong mother. See that? Single moms are, single moms have a story. And I believe everybody has a story. Mm. And not only do I believe everybody has a story, I believe that there's somebody that needs to, to hear your story. Right. So there's people listening to this right now that are going to listen to this and they're going through something. And if they could get that, what they're going through isn't for them, it's to overcome it so they can help other people. The difference they can make, the impact they can have in this world is wouldn't have happened if they didn't go through what they went through, which meant another life couldn't have been impacted. Right. Each one teach one. Yeah. So everything that we're going through, if you realize it's to make a difference for other people. And if if you can find that mindset and it's not easy. I mean, I spent over a decade being a motivational speaker and an encourager. And then I hit my hard spot where I was like going through depression, suicidal thoughts, stuff I couldn't even relate to. I was an encourager until I became discouraged. And then I couldn't get myself out. Hmm. I I had to open up that it was some spiritual bondages and some things that had to be broken. Um, But the truth of it was it was pride and ego that had to be broken. Right. I had to be humbled. I had to be able to be relatable to people. My heart was always in the right place. You know, I got my intentions. Yeah. Um, but the words and, and my way of being, how it w- was received, perception's reality. Mm. I used to I used to live like if I said something, Colin, it offended you. I'd be like, I didn't mean to offend you. That was my intention. That's on you, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Power of life and death in the tongue, right? So it doesn't matter what my intention was. Perception is reality. So if I say something and you, it lands for you as condescending, arrogant, egotistical, chauvinist, all of that, that's reality for you. Yeah. And I'm responsible for that. So it really comes down to self-control and discipline, which is a muscle that you can apply to anything. Mm. Right. Whether it's in business, in your personal life, that's how it works. That's really true. One thing. Uh, wow. Time's flying here. Let me just uh, reset this. Are we doing okay? Are we okay? You're just like Brandon. Who? What? What do you mean? <laughs> well, uh, with Brandon, like with other interviews, when I first started interviewing, I had to really pull things out of people. Yeah. Um, but like you, you're similar to Brandon. I can just ask one thing and you can just go. <laughs> is that <laughs> bad? Do you want me to short? No, like, that's, can... that's really good. No, oh, you okay. want, you want, you want, I always feel like in an interview that I should be talking much less than you are. Okay. Because I'm here to like extract from you, right? Okay. So the open, the more open you are, the better that is for me. Well, you you tell me how real raw you want to get. Like I told yeah. you, we can go there, but because I already said I got nothing planned or prepped, it's all of him, none of me, and whatever's coming out, it's coming out. So whatever <laughs> well, you want to lead it with questions, I can. That's <laughs> highly favored. You blessed. Well, um, what, like any topics or specifics you want to go to? I think. Uh, what I really want to know about is um, 
what I'm going to try and find out from everybody is uh, what was the darkest time in your life? Got it. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's people that are going to be listening to this. Uh, are we on right now? Yeah. yeah. Oh, where this is real. The, the <laughs> darkest time in my life. Whew, we're going to go there. All right. Um, you know what? This, this is important to, to share. You know, I mean, we we see the campaigns, you know, are you OK? And, and mental health. Right. My mom and dad, I said they were both registered nurses. It was in mental health. Um, they both worked at Whitby. It used to be called Whitby Psych. Now it's Cam H, I, th- I believe it's called. Oh, okay. Whitby. That, my, my dad was head nurse. Todd, who you met here tonight. Yeah. Um, interesting story. Him and I met when we were probably in our 30s. So 2004. Mm-hmm. I was born in 71. Uh, he was born in 73. But in 72, his mother worked with my father at Whitby, it was called Whitby Psych. Mm-hmm. And one of the patients had an episode and was coming towards his mother to attack her with a, bo- a pole or a bar or something to this extent. And she was pregnant. And my dad jumped in and intervened. So Todd, who's a friend of mine, mm-hmm. very close friend, a brother now, he's like, God put him back in my life. We met in 2004, we were in business together. Um, in the business we were in, we were kind of competitive against each other. And now we've recently come back together at a time after I came out of a year of depression and suicidal thoughts for a year straight. And when I say suicidal thoughts, I open this up because I didn't even know that was even possible for me to the point where I, I my, my financial services background was in insurance. So I know things about insurance to the fact that there's something in insurance policies calling called a suicide clause, meaning if you have a policy for more than two years, they still have to pay. It, it prevents people from like right thinking they're going to off themselves and go and buy an insurance policy. Yeah. So there's a two year kind of, it's called a suicide clause to the point I called and asked if, if that was still in place. This all happened because I spent a decade growing business, becoming perceived success, right? Making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and really standing on stages and talking to people about what you got to do to become successful and what it's like and bought my daughter a horse and traveling and all of this stuff. Yeah. But I wasn't successful. I wasn't successful at home. I wasn't successful in my relationships. I wasn't honoring my wife. I mean, I just, it got to a point where you're a fake, right? And I believe the world social media has helped. It's fake. Everyone's wearing masks, right? And it's interesting when life humbles you, when the carpet gets pulled out, it was almost like God pulled the carpet out, let me hit the floor, let me lay there in the mud for a year, and then just kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, can you hear me now? Mm-hmm. Can you hear me now? So darkest point, I'm talking every, like Googling what's the least painful way to commit suicide, Googled that, thought about, I'm from Oshawa, there's a bridge at uh, Simcoe and Bloor, thought about you could jump off that. I had a friend hang himself in school growing up, thought about that, thought about pills, go to sleep, envisioned going to Union Station, taking out my wallet, handing it to someone, jumping in front of a train, thought about driving into oncoming traffic. Every single thing I thought about, there was almost like God just sitting there going, oh, you're so cute. (laughs) So cute. You take pills. I will wake you up in a hospital drooling, trapped in your own mind with brain damage. Hmm. Swerve in front of a vehicle. Go ahead. Wake you up in a hospital paralyzed from the neck down. 
everything was like, you'll screw it up. This lasted for a year, for a year. And it was literally not just over a month ago. Like people see me now, talk to me now, they'd have no idea. But when I start sharing with people what the last year was like, I can't tell you how many people open up. But if you saw their Facebook and their social media, you know, fake book, <laughs> right? Life's great. I went off Facebook when I was going through this year, uh, uh, this three, this year of, of depression and everything else. It was because I had lost a business, right? And I had spent 10 years plus beating up jobs. I was the guy on stage talking about J-O-B, just over broke, journey of the broke, jackass of a boss, jump off a bridge, J-O-B, never going to pay you what you're worth, only going to pay you what the job's worth, right? They're only going to pay you enough that you don't quit, and you're only going to work hard enough that they don't fire you. I had all this, all this, spew. I'd spew it out, right? Because I had listened to so many CDs and been to so many seminars, and it was all of this stuff that I was thinking better than a job. But my heart was to inspire people. Because I, I really did believe that entrepreneurship was the only way to become financially independent because yeah. I learned enough about the money game to know that you can't save your way to financially to financial independence. You have to you have to invest. You can't you can't save your way there. You can't clip enough coupons. You can't return enough beer bottles. OK, you can't save your way to financial independence. You have to invest. So to invest means you have to have you have to be able to pay your bills and have enough left over to be able to save and invest. You look at a lot of jobs today and people don't have a lot left over. It's tough, right? Cost of living going up, income wages and salaries not going up to compete with it. Add some kids that want to play sports. Add the car breaking down, the furnace, the this, the that. Unexpected expenses. Add breakups in relationships due to the fact that we were stressed about money. So now you're going to figure it out separately, which is even harder. Never mind the relationships that are staying together because they can't afford to split. So I, I had all of this stuff that I knew about the money game from being in financial services. Mm -hmm. So when the carpet got pulled out and I got money that I got to live on and as it's going down and going down and going down and my wife, who at the point in time who was able to retire from her job due to our financial situation, we got a house cleaner cleaning the house, we got all of that stuff going on, all of that's gone and stripped away. And you're humbled and you're left with who you really are, like God's saying, Let's see how big you think you are without all that stuff. And the truth of it is none of that stuff made me happy anyways. It was all status. You know, you buy things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't even really like. That's just status. You know it all. You show it all. You owe it all. And when it was all taken away and I had to go submit and go get a job, I struggled with that job because I, I almost still had the ego of I'm above this. Yeah. And it wasn't until November the 14th that everything broke. I had some, uh, some addictions from the time I was 16. If I'm, if it's cool to share yeah, here with course. you, with yeah, your, with your view, uh, struggled with pornography. Yeah. And it was like, God said, you're not honoring your wife. Yeah. That ended. And that same day, the very next day I was introduced to a new opportunity right in my wheelhouse to be able to help people in finances. Just it wasn't insurance and investments. It's debt, <laughs> which is the bigger problem anyways, right? Yeah. So I'm able to help people around the world now because of online digital marketing. So I'm passionate about that. And everything opened up. My job, I'm loving my job now because I can bring value and energy and I'm excited. And then in my off hours, I can build a business. I've fallen in love with my, life, my wife all over again because I'm studying and listening to like podcasts about marriage, about parenting, 
about raising teens. And it's like, I'm realizing that to be congruent, you got to be successful in every area of your life. You can't be a successful business person and, and treat your kids like crap, right? It's, it's how you do anything is how you do everything. And when everything got in alignment, it's almost effortless. So I was saying to Todd, I go, Todd, this, something's going on. I said, I feel like I, I feel like I got in the passenger seat and I said, God, listen, I'm 47 years old. I've been driving for 47 years and clearly I don't know where I'm going because it's, it's like a circle. It's like Groundhog Day. Yeah. I keep repeating the same mistakes. I keep getting the same results. It's the exact same outcome because I'm still the same person. And every time I try to change something, it, it's temporary, right? Yeah. It's temporary. And it's like, okay, you know what, God, I'm going to sit over here in the passenger seat and see that steering wheel. You take it because my GPS is messed up, <laughs> mm. right? Messed up. And it's GPS means God provides service. Wow. So he's going to drive now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'd never heard that one. actually. But, um, so the darkest time in your life was 2018. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It only just ended, ended like a um, month just ago. over a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, but it was necessary. Yeah. It seems like, it was uh, necessary because you, when we first started talking on the phone or even through the voice notes, you're talking about how you're big on, uh, being authentic hundred percent and it sounds like through that whole period yeah. you got forced yeah. into authenticity hundred yeah. percent and it started early when i told you earlier about playing hockey um and it didn't hit me until i went through this 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 year was a lot of self-assessment self-evaluation a lot of looking back how did i get here yeah. you know and i was trying to put the dots together and authenticity is uh i think i figured it out when I didn't make it in hockey, there's that inner voice of I'm not good enough. So then you go overcompensate, but really it's insecurity mm. of not being good enough. So whether it was um, working out in the gym to, to have a body to look a certain way so I could feel better about myself, superficial, right? I ended up becoming a male dancer. I used to call it male a, a clothing removal technician, but it was a male stripper. Really? From age 23 to 30. Yeah, absolutely. It's it, crazy how it all happened, but it, it was a chain of events that if I look back now, I grew, I, I was in that environment, which is a horrible environment. Uh, okay. Yeah, I would think so. Watch guys doing drugs and, and, and the sex and everything else. And my mom was in Barbados praying for me because I never touched drugs. Mm -hmm. I never drank. And I wasn't, I was there to make money. I'd go do my show and I would get paid and I'd leave, but never got all wrapped up in the, the sex and the drugs and the alcohol but I was yet in that place. So there had to have been a covering over me because I watched guys make a thousand dollars in a night and put 800 of it up their nose. Yeah, of course. Why did that never affect me? So there was definitely a covering, but all of this stuff that had to happen to, to cause everything that happened, it all had to happen because all of it was to cover low self-esteem, right? You're on the stage, the lights are on you. You're the center of attention. You're taking steroids so you can build this body. It's all to hide insecurity. It was of all, course. it was all superficial. To <laughs> anybody who's watching right now, like they, they just perked up. My how, mom's going to watch this and cry. <laughs> how did that, how did that come to be? How did that happen? Which part? The dancing? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting story. So <laughs> I was, uh, we can get real here, right? Yeah, yeah, as real as you want to be. I was a virgin till I was 19. That's pretty My amazing. first daughter's mother was my first. 
Wow. I still remember to this day, my mom and dad were in Barbados. They moved back there when I was 16 years old, and I stayed here with my brother and sister because they were 9 and 10 years older than me. Okay. The full story is my dad got a job offer to go to Barbados um, when I was younger, and I was going. It wasn't open for discussion. We had going away parties, got presents from my friends, and then the job fell through. So we stayed. Years later, my dad gets another job offer to go back to Barbados and run the whole psychiatric hospital in Barbados. Wow. Uh, this time, though, I'm now 16. My brother and sister are 9, 10 years older. My dad says, hey, you could come with us, but your brother and sister, Paul, Sandra, they're 9, 10 years older. You can stay here, finish high school, and if you want to come back to Barbados after you finish college or university here, I mean, education from here, you go back there good you're good yeah um but i was born here so and i played hockey i, I love barbados to visit but it was never going to be where i was going to live mm. so my daughter's mother when she told me she was pregnant i'm like pregnant i phoned my dad in barbados i go dad um i got some news um you're going to be a grandfather he goes oh he goes how do you feel about that i go how do i feel he goes, hey, how do you feel? I said, I'm not ready. <laughs> I was 23 years old. I said, I'm not ready. He goes, you got nine months to get ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like that. Um, but I was a kid having a kid. You know what I mean? Of I was course. 23 years old. And what had happened was my daughter was born. And after five months, her mother wakes up and says to me one night, I'm, I'm not in love with you anymore. And she leaves with my daughter five months old and uh i'll never forget it because my my aunt and uncle they lived in um in bowmanville and my aunt comes over i'm sitting on the couch i'm depressed i'm like looking at the tv my aunt and uncle come in and they said hey rod um we talked to your mom and your dad in barbados and uh you're gonna move in with us i said no no i'm good they go no you're not i go yeah i'm good they go what are you doing i said i'm watching tv they go rod the tv's not on <laughs> i said Oh, they go, you're moving in with us. I said, no, I'm not. They said, okay, well, we're taking your stuff. So if you need any of it, it's at our house. <laughs> and that was it. I moved in with my aunt and uncle. And what's funny about this story, how did I get into dancing? While I'm living with my aunt and uncle, because of my low self-esteem, because my daughter's mother had left, I start working out of the gym. I start working out of the gym. I run into a guy. He starts talking to me about steroids. I start taking steroids. I put on some size. And I run into a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in years. His wife was a female dancer. Mm -hmm. And she sees me. I'm like 30 pounds heavier than she remembers me. She goes, you've been working out? I go, yeah, I'm working out. People on steroids, but you don't tell people on steroids. Yeah, I've been working out. Like people don't know. <laughs> Naturally working out, right? And she says, uh, wow, you look really good. She goes, have you ever um, considered uh, like dancing, male dancing? I go, what? She goes, like male dancing. I go, Male dancing. I go, no, no, what do you mean male dancing? I go, like, what you do? Because she was a, a dancer. Yeah. She goes, yeah, they have amateur night every uh, Wednesday night. My gosh. I went there for a joke, and it turned into a 10-year career. Wow. Really? Let's see. I'm focused. That's uh, crazy. That's insane. Crazy, crazy. Because you'd never, talking to you, you'd never think that at all, ever. Yeah, people go, you don't sound like one. Well, what does one sound like? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's, wow. But wow. you know what? You ever hear what the enemy meant for bad, God meant for good? If it wasn't for my daughter's mother, I can trace it back. If mm -hmm. my daughter's mother hadn't left me, I never would have ended up working out and taking steroids and dancing. If I never ended up dancing, I wouldn't have met the first 
what what I thought was a mentor in my life because I met him actually at the strip club. Yeah. He was driving my dream car, which is was an Audi TT, okay. two seater convertible roadster, and it was almost like Will Smith in the, in the movie. I got two questions: What do you do, and how do you right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long and short, this gentleman takes me under his wing, and I, the next is history. I, I get into financial services. I get a license. I build a career, make a hundred grand a year, quarter of a million a year, up and onward. But jeopardized my relationship with my daughter. Of course, yeah. Paid, bought her a horse. She didn't want a horse. She wanted her dad. Mm -hmm. right paid for people to pick her up from the barn pick her up from school everything else when the money what got to the point where i wasn't working like i was working she, i had no relationship with her mm. so i went through all of that it, it was the balance i didn't have the balance i find today and, and a lot of a lot of people i talk to they, they want three things in life they either want more money more time or more fulfillment in what they do there's people that have a lot of money they got no time. There's people who have a lot of time. They don't have any money. And if you're rare, find someone that's got money and time. They're either bored or they have no fulfillment in what they do. I think success is having all of it. You got some money. You got some time. You have fulfillment. But it's really the relationships. That's what I've learned in that year. Yeah. I want real, authentic relationships. And I think everybody wants the same. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what was that like having to rebuild or build for the first time kind of with your daughter? Mm-hmm that relationship it, it was it was tough and it, i have i can't even take credit for it it was actually my my wife my wife and i have been married for two years now we've been together for five years we're a blended family no children together i'm 47 she's 49 um so she's got a 27 year old a 16 year old and a 13 year old mm -hmm. i have a 24 year old that's my oldest my daughter yeah and uh, she just got married in september she just finished her master's in physical therapy i mean she she figured it all out uh, without me being there because mm. um, I lost her for pretty much from, I guess she would have been from 11. Uh, you know, she was close to me, but then there was a point where she didn't have to go to dad's for the weekend. Yeah. She wasn't going to dad's for the weekend. And then that was that. Um, when I got together with my now wife and, you know, you're discussing life and family and, you know, she like you have a daughter that you don't see like that's kind of interesting what's that all about and shared that and she kind of softened the relationship and, and built this kind of connection to the point where you know re rekindled that it's still you know kind of got it but yeah. i mean she her and her husband were over at her house just uh on friday night this week i, I was at her wedding where there was a point in time when i didn't think i was ever going to be at her wedding um god god restored all of that <coughs> wow yeah it's powerful but I got a do-over with my daughter now, um, which is my youngest daughter. She's eight from a different relationship, not with my wife. Um, but it's it's learning from the mistakes of the past. Yeah. And especially now causing me to want to be present with her. And I struggle with it because I'm a workaholic. I, I, I can't deny that. To pull a cell phone out of my hand, that, that's, that's a tough thing. <laughs> and uh, But to realize that if I'm not careful – She'll grow up thinking my cell phone's more important than her, and she'll be in therapy till she's thirty, talking about my daddy don't love me. Yeah, right. So we have a responsibility, and responsibility is your ability to choose your response. That's what I've always said. Responsibility mm. is your ability to choose your response. If someone says something that upsets you, your ability to to respond and not react—that's your responsibility. So my responsibility is to be an example of her for her of hard work but strive to show her balance and priorities and integrity, which is not so much ethics, values, and morals, but integrity being your word. Say X, do X. 
right? We live in a world that says X and does Y. People, integrity means nothing. People are like, yeah, okay, I'll be there. They don't, they don't even remember they told you that. Yeah. The minute you can you can lock down integrity, you stand out like a sore thumb because we live in a world that's lost it. No one's word means anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in business or personal relationships, we live in a in a world where, I mean, social media, it's like relationships not working. Okay, scroll through, scroll through like it's a menu, you know? And I think people are searching and scrolling and scrolling and they're looking for happiness. They're looking for fulfillment and they're just getting more and more anxious and depressed. Wow. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Saying X and doing X. That, uh, yeah, that's, that was a hard thing for me coming up. Like before I found like the thing I wanted to do, mm. that was very hard. Before I started taking pride in like having discipline and like having mindset and like having good habits and everything. Yeah. But you know what changed for me? I actually looked up what the word meant. Because I didn't which, know. Which word? Integrity. So dis- oh, integrity. I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't actually That's know. That's interesting. Like, I knew how to use it. What, what, what is, the de- is there a definition? Like, what does it say? Well, I, it was a while when I, lo- I looked it up. Because I have something called uh, the promise to the universe that I have. I keep it in my wallet. And uh, it's just this long list of characteristics. And I say that I'm all these things. I try to say it every day, mm-hmm. every night. I say all these things. And I say that it's my promise to the universe. That I'm going to be trustworthy and faithful mm-hmm. and honorable and 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 have integrity and be innovative and all these different things um but yeah i had to look up the word actually before because i actually had to move back here like i told you yeah the walls had all the definitions on them because i would like write it like crayon or like whatever i could because i paint (laughs) and do art and stuff yeah and uh yeah they're all over the place but uh yeah it's it's powerful yeah yeah, seeing those things yeah. is very powerful. Yeah. That's why I have like the thing here says be who you are. Yeah. This thing over here, the difference between who you are and who you want to become is what you do. Yeah. So. We used to uh I used to tell people that the only thing that's stopping you from getting where you are that from getting where you want to go from where you are is the story you've created in your head of why you can't get there. Yeah right like we our stories we believe them like we they're rock solid we've got every excuse of why we can't make something happen you know i i I built a lot of businesses where um you got one person saying i would love to build this business but i have children and i'm like i want to pull out pictures of my children and go what are these chimpanzees like what do you (laughs) they're my reason to the business don't use them as an excuse use them as your reason but that's just a choice you know that's a choice of saying you know i can't do it because of when i need to do it because of or i can't i can't join this business because there's a starter fee and i don't have any money okay so isn't that why you need to do the business you've been don't take this the wrong way i don't want to be condescending but if you've been working for 10 15 20 30 years and you don't have 152, maybe three, four, five hundred dollars to start a business that's going to change your life. Is there? Is it possible? Maybe you need to. Do, you got to be careful when you say things because obviously. But the truth of it is, if what you're doing has gotten you to where you're at, is continuing to do it ever, ever going to give you your goals and dreams? No. So you're 30 years old. You're either going to submit that right now. I'm done. Like I'm dead at 30. Bury me at 60 or 70. Yeah. Put a fork in me. I'm done. Or are you going to try and take some different actions that could cause you to have a different result in your life? Yeah. But it's just choices. Yeah. It's just choices. I had a, I had a mentor who said, life is simple. Make more good choices than bad choices. You'll be okay. Huh. That's true. <laughs> Easier said than done. Easier said <laughs> than done. So true. So um, 
I guess back to the vein of questioning, like, uh, yeah. what does mindset mean to you? Mindset is again, choosing what you're focusing on. Cause there's a, I, I remember hearing a speaker say like personal development, like knowing how to read and choosing not to is you're no better than someone that doesn't know how to read. And I know, I remember when I first got into business and they talk about personal development and, and my mentor at the time, he said, uh, yeah, you got to read books. And I'm like, me, no read. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. he's like, what? I'm like, I don't like to read. And he's like, why don't you like to read? I said, cause it makes me cry. And he said, what do you mean it makes you cry? I go, every time I read, I cry. He goes, you cry when you read. I go, yeah, profusely can't stop. As soon as I start reading, I cry. He goes, what are you reading? I said, my bank book. Because at the, <laughs> <laughs> at the time, um, it, it just, it stressed me. But I'll tell you something's funny. You got a lot of, of viewers or people listening to this that, that know, they hear it all the time. You got to read. You got to read. You got to read. And uh, if, if uh, I'll, I'll give them something that helped me because in the beginning, I, I hated to read. Uh, if me you're too. a personality that you can't focus, I'll tell you why most people don't like to read. Tell me if you can relate to this, Colin. You start reading something. And as you're reading, something you read will trigger something in your mind and your mind goes whoosh, off chasing birds. Yeah. But subconsciously, you're still reading the words, but you're not even there. Right. Yeah. So at some point on the next page, maybe you, you get present to the fact that you don't even know what you're reading. So what do you do? You start sifting back to see what you remember. Oh, I remember reading this. So you start reading again. Yeah. And again, maybe at the same point or at a different point, something triggers something in your subconscious whoosh, off chasing birds again. Yeah. You continue to read subconsciously until you get present that I'm not present and you go back. That'll happen two or three times before you'll say, I can't read right now. I can't get my head wrapped around this. And you'll put the book down. Yeah, definitely. That happened to me until I read a book called The Power of the Subconscious Mind. Oh, really? And I can't remember who the author was, but it was a, it was a great point. And it said that human beings, we actually remember everything that's ever happened to us in our life. Every event, every name, every, every episode, every experience. We remember everything. But there's so much stuff that it gets buried in the subconscious until something triggers it yeah of course that's why you know you could be driving down the street a song comes on and yeah that was a song from high school and you can remember like the smell of the gymnasium you can remember having your hands too low on sally's waist and the teacher coming saying hands up a little high right you can remember what you were wearing you remember what she was wearing you remember everything but you can't remember what you did two days ago right yeah. subconscious and it's buried so the book said when you're reading and your mind checks out just keep reading and even when you realize you haven't been present don't stress about it. Just keep reading because subconscious, you got everything. Just keep reading. And I started doing that and I started reading books. And what happened was I remember a guy saying, if you empty, empty the coins of your purse into your mind, your mind will fill your purse with coins. Meaning mm -hmm. if you read, you'll personally develop, you'll grow your belief about what's possible, what you're worth, how you should treat people. You can learn everything you need to learn to change your life. It's deciding to take the time to read. You got to think you're worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I decided to start reading um, probably around like November, okay, early November, yeah, or maybe a little bit before that, because I start I decided to start waking up at four a.m. Nice and just reading and doing stretches and taking walks and like just taking care of myself. Yeah. As soon as I realized self worth, yeah, I started taking care of myself. More. Yeah, and that was a weird thing that changed too. Is like as soon as I figured out what I was worth, I started yeah. doing other things. We, uh, my wife and I started working out while back at like these orange theories and there's this one of the trainers his name's lennox 
And he always at the end of the session says that uh, self-care is self-love and it's never selfish. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it's so true. If you, you, you honor yourself, your health, you honor your body, you honor your fitness, you're actually honoring yourself. Yeah. It's not about what you look like. It's like I this is my body is a temple, all that stuff. And it's it's how you feel about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to care about yourself to even care. Yeah, exactly. So I started doing that and uh, I started reading and uh, I didn't like it, but <laughs> I didn't like it at first. But I like I the, read the reading s- or the getting up at 4 a.m. No, the getting up was fine. Okay, yeah. Like I come from a household watching my mom get up at four yeah. o'clock in the morning. She was a bodybuilder. So she oh. she used to wake up at 4 a.m. Go to the wow. gym for like two hours. Come back home, shower up, yep. go to work. So, so that discipline. You saw your mom yeah. as an example of discipline. Yeah. So one day I was like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I could do yeah. that too. I'm like, four a.m. I'm like, yeah. Did I we not have that. a conversation at one of the mornings early with voice notes? I was that at like seeing, five? You yeah, and I? Yeah. I think I think I saw something from you, but I, I post always, in the morning. Yeah, I always make yeah. my mornings for me. So I, like, I saw that you. I'm like, oh, he's getting after it at four a.m. Yeah. But I'm like, I can't like engage in that quite yet I yeah handle yeah. myself. you got to stay on on your on your schedule on yeah. your routine it was a book i read called the morning miracle i met a mentor online his name's george converse and he's into online digital marketing he's got this life limitless limitless lifestyle and he shows him and his wife traveling around anywhere if they got a laptop as long as they have internet and they just got this great great life and uh, he told me about this morning miracle this book by hal elrod is the the name and it talked about all these different principles that if you could get up earlier and there's six different principles like you know like journaling reading exercise meditation all this stuff prayer and uh that you do just 10 minutes of each of these practices and i started doing it at 5 a.m and the next thing you know i'm getting up at 4 a.m next thing you know i'm waking up quarter to four with no alarm clock and i'm not getting tired during the day but when you get up just in time for the the snooze button you hit that and we used to play the snooze button game it's like you hit the snooze button and I never understood snooze buttons, Colin. Do you ever understand why it's like you sleep eight hours? Oh, shoot. Oh, did this then? Get to engaged. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. My bad. How do you do that? Now you try to remember where it is? Because you edit all this stuff anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it just happened. Like, oh, did it? As soon as you hear the click, that's when oh, you know okay. it happened. So. so we were talking about, you know, you getting up early in the morning. And I, I used to tell people about fighting with alarm clocks. Yeah. Right. That that battle of I used to call it. It's a mind mind over mattress in the morning. <laughs> mind, ah, mind over mattress. Like but that. it was like I never understood the snooze button because I'm like, man, we sleep eight hours a night. But we think nine more minutes. I'll be OK. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. what is nine minutes? Gonna, and why is it nine anyways? I never figured that out. But I used to like have this whole game go on. It'd be like, OK, nine more minutes. And then it'd go off again. I'm like, okay, if I don't have a shower, right? It's like, I hit it again. Yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, if I got every light green and if I probably went that way, took the highway instead of, the, okay. And I'd play this game. And I realized that the only reason I was playing the snooze button game is because I wasn't passionate or excited about what I was going to do. Oh, of course. The minute you're passionate, excited about what you, your passion will wake you up every morning. Yeah. Like excited and ready to hit the day. When I was in bed and depressed, I that year that I just told you about, Mm-hmm. I drugged myself. I never did drugs. I never drank. But Netflix, let me tell you, I would watch a whole series and season of something and binge. Man. I would. I either wanted to sleep because when you're depressed, all you want to do is sleep, right? Because you don't have to think about it. That's the only time the mind would shut off. Mm. So I'd, I'd like I'd wake up and just want to sleep. Yeah. If I didn't have to get up, I wouldn't want to get up. I didn't want to go out in public. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do anything. Yeah, I had that for a while too. 
It's horrible. Netflix didn't exist when I had that going on. <laughs> so I watched this Chappelle show. Oh, season, season two. Season two. I watched it like at least a hundred times. At you least, knew every every line. Yeah, every I kept, yeah. kept watching it. And you know what actually triggered for me at that point? <clears throat> I kept watching it, watching it, watching it. And then one day, um, I think I saw like a commercial or something for The Secret. And yep. I was like, I was like, I want that. Yeah. I'm like, I want that book. I'm like, cause I just saw like a, yeah. a, a, like a reel of it or something. I'm like, I, I want that. I want that DVD because of the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, man, how am I going to get it? I'm like, I got to rent it. I'm like, I don't have any money, but like for some reason I wanted it. I just wanted to see it. Yeah. Cause I started learning about subconscious and I was like, my subconscious wow. is always on. I'm like, I'm just watching this Chappelle show over and over again. I'm like, I'm very funny because of it. Yeah. <laughs> Soaking up something. But it's like, I'm not paying my bills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I really want it. And then uh, one day I was like, hey, Chris, my brother. I'm like, Chris, um, I'm like, you know anybody that has the secret? Yeah. He's like, he's like, I have it. He's of like, course. He's like, it's upstairs. Yeah. He's like, some girl gave it to me. He's like, but I'm not going to watch it. He never watched it. He's like, I don't, I don't want to watch it. I was like, I was like, can I have it? <laughs> he's like, yeah. Yeah, sure. And then he just gives it to me. Yeah. I watched it every day, mm. twice a day, because I knew about subconscious. So yep. I'm like, I'm going to play it while I'm Repetition, asleep. Repetition, mother and of all skill. I did that for like three years. Yeah. Every single day. Yeah. Was it cool when you start noticing things actually happening and then you relate it to your energy and attracting it? I still I still think of the secret every time I get my parking spot. Yeah. That I want. Ah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all, it yeah. always happens. The, the parking ferry. You know, it's <laughs> funny, uh, you know, when, I, when I'm doing coaching with people and I'll talk about, you know, how you feel. You know, they'll walk in a room at an event and I'm like, hey, how you doing? They're like, fine. I'm like, do you want to let your face know? Like, because they're, they're just they're, their energy. Yeah. And it'll be people that will tell you, oh, I don't buy into that energy stuff. Just like I don't believe in the law of attraction. And I'm like, how do you not believe in it when you know everyone can't deny they've been in a room and someone's walked in that had good energy and you feel it. You physically feel the lift. Yep. And you also have people that walk into a room and they can bring it down like they come in like. And it's like, who, who invited Princess Stormcloud? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's energy. So people know that it exists and it attracts life. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. 100%. That's why uh, I'm glad that I shifted my energy at such a young age, even though it didn't take right away. Yeah. It just, it, it slowly improved my life, improved my life. Yeah. And I can see like the things that I took in all those years ago are like now starting mm. to, I guess they were like seeds yeah. and buried pretty deep. And like now they're starting to grow. Hundred percent. You know, the first time I ever heard someone really dive deep in on the power of gratitude, mm. I started thinking of it as a parent. And then spiritual beliefs come out again. So I start thinking of I'm a father, I have children. If I give things to my children and they're not grateful for them and they want to complain about them and they want more, but they're not grateful for what I gave them, as a father, do I want to give them more? Or do I go you're complaining about what I gave you, but you're asking for more. That's ungrateful. Yeah. So then I think about my father and the think about the things we could be blessed or, or grateful for in our life. But if we're not focused on those things and we're focused on what we don't have, as opposed to what we have, you know, like oh, eyes, ears, breath in our lungs, you know, yeah. the things that, that are gifts, you know what I mean? Every day. But when we're not thinking about them, we're focused on, Oh, I don't have enough money. I don't have the right relationship. I don't have the right job. I don't have all the things that we lack. We're focused on lack as opposed to abundance 
So it's almost like, how can we expect our loving father to want to give us more when we're the ungrateful children going, we just want to complain. The minute you start being grateful, if your child is grateful, what do you want to do? You want to give them more. Yeah. Right. So it, it it's, there's all these examples of it. It's not like we don't know. I often feel like people often need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like we yeah. know, like when you go to, to church or you go to, um, I shouldn't say church. I'm, I'm not really big on religion. Yeah. To be honest, I, I believe in a personal relationship with my father, Jesus Christ and savior and all of that. But like the church, the walls and stuff, mm-hmm. Todd tells me all the time. He's like the walls. It, that's, it's like putting God in a box. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you, can't, you can't put God in a box. He doesn't, he's not like that. It doesn't work. But I think about all the examples that are out there that we could, like my dad used to say, if you wake up, I think you got it from Les Brown. If you wake up and there's not a chalk outline around your body, it's a beautiful day because mm. there's a lot of people that didn't wake up today, right? Yeah. There's families that, I mean, it's Christmas right now and it's just people that are excited, but this is a tough season for people. There's people right now that tomorrow's Christmas Eve, but this is the first Christmas without a loved one because they lost someone this year. Yeah. Right. And at the same time, there's people celebrating. There's people that are that that, that they didn't put a tree up this year because they don't want the reminder that dad was always the one that put the tree up. But dad's not here this year. So we have to figure out how to move on without dad this year or dad always put the star on the tree. And this year, mom put it on the tree, but she couldn't hold back the tears when she put it on the tree. And the kids had to watch that. Yeah. Yet it's Christmas. So it, it, it's, it's so tough to, to, to put things in perspective when you're all about, you know, your life. It's not about it. It's about making a difference for other people. And I figured that out in this year with my face in the mud is like, it's not about you, Rod. Mm. It's just not about you. So that's about yeah. it. True. True. So, yeah. Yeah. That's something I think about. I think of my brother more with that. Um, like I said, I have like step siblings and mm-hmm. everything. And he was like best friends with my dad before he passed. And like he even found him mm-hmm. like when he passed away because he was like in his apartment for like a week or so. Um, and he found them like that because yeah. <clears throat> he realized that something was wrong because they would hang out like every yeah. weekend. They'd always call each other. So I always think of him when I think of that. Older brother? Yeah. 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 yeah he's older than me. And yeah. Uh, yeah, they were they were just like connected. He even told me the last thing he said before the last time he saw him he was like it's you and me it's like it's you and me together and i was like oh fuck yeah i'm like i never had like any deep connection with him like that but like yeah. he did so it must have been really hard the first christmas around definitely it's, it's funny as you're saying that about you know relationship and connection and, and with a with a parent um it's kind of interesting because it took me back I, I had said earlier that my brother and sister were nine and ten years older than me yeah right and I almost had to go to Barbados and then didn't have to go because the age gap, I could stay with them. And, you know, you think about where our beliefs about ourselves come from and where things get rooted. And, and uh, my brother and sister, as I said, were nine and 10 years older than me. And I still remember like yesterday, the first time my brother, I was maybe five, six years old. My brother said we were fighting about something. And he, I remember him saying you were an accident. <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. I'm like, I'm an accident. What do you mean by that? So I, I run up to my mom. I'm like, mom. Paul, that's my brother. I go, Paul said I was an accident. And she goes, 
you were not. You go tell your brother you were a pleasant surprise. And I'm like, I go marching down. I go, mom said I was a pleasant surprise. And I didn't know what that meant either. Yeah, of course. Until years later. But what was, <laughs> what was interesting is I was the baby of the family. Mm. So as I was growing up, I watched. Oh, you stop it. I just had a battery die. All right. Wait for your change. Yeah, because I'm going to get in the way for a second. Yeah, no worries. How we doing, Obi? You all right? Yeah, I'm yeah. good on time. Work um, questions okay. about behavior and stuff, but yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. That's what um, so yeah, so growing up, like my brother and sister were were older, so I was the baby of the family. So my older brother and sister had chores. My sister used to have to dust. Like my dad was a competitive weightlifter. My brother Russell, this is everyone's sports. My sister did track and field. Trophies all over the house. So on a, on a Sunday uh, after church, there was like we'd clean the house or Saturdays, Saturday morning. So I'm downstairs watching, chilling, watching cartoons, chilling. Yeah. Right back then, TV Guide. I'd have highlighted what I was going to watch at seven, seven thirty, eight o'clock. The whole day was planned. <laughs> chilling. My brother's like my brother had to do. He used to cut the lawn. He used to shovel the driveway. My sister used to do the dishes and and dust the, dust the trophies. I didn't have any chores. I was the baby, right? Me too. And then growing up, like then, so my mom and dad worked. My brother and sister did took care of the house. I had nothing, no responsibilities. And they think about that. Oh, that'd be great. But what it led to was like when my mom and dad moved away, then my brother and sister took care of me. Then I got in a relationship, as I told you, I was a virgin till I was nineteen. Mm. She cooked and she took care of me, and we had. A child together then we split up when she was five months old and then when my daughter was a year old i met a girl and i was with her for 10 years and she took care of me and split up with her and within like months i had another girlfriend and she took care of me wow and i've always had someone take so i developed without knowing what it was codependence mm. codependence where i was like like literally dependent on wow. you know and then wow. i get to the point i'm now 47 and I, i'm like i got a wife that some days gets to the point you know, during this year, she's like, you know, it's really hard to be your lover when I'm too busy being your mother. <laughs> and then something like that hits you. It's like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know? wow. And uh, but it was really having to grow up, mm. having to grow up and, and take responsibility for who do I want to be in this world? What do I want to be as an example for my daughter? What do I want to be as an example uh, as a husband, as a leader in business? I can't be successful in business and be a horrible f husband or a horrible father. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that think that they can. And what caused the demise, I'll be uh, truthful of what I can now look back and see, the pride, the ego, all of that stuff. Eric Thomas says it best. You're familiar with Eric Thomas. I love Eric Thomas. And he, he says, if you're not careful, you can get good at something just from the repetition, that 10,000 hours, right? You put in the work, you will get good. You'll, be get, you'll get confident and you'll get competent. And that'll come across to people that weren't willing to do the work as skill. Like you have skill. And he said, but if you're not careful, your skill will take you somewhere that your character can't keep you. Yeah. Meaning you'll get to a point where you're up there perceived success, but you're not honoring your wife or you're not honoring your relationship with your God or you're not honoring your relationship with your children. So are you really successful yet? You're an example of success. It's only a matter of time before the worlds collide <laughs> i mean it's it's it, yeah, it's got actually, to, it's got to happen that's actually very true it's got to happen i forgot about that yeah you did say that and that's what happened with your whole speaking career i guess 100 percent, 100 percent. i'd be on stages you know and it was it wasn't authentic anyways i mean 
I, I remember the, the most people I ever spoke in front of was in Atlanta, Georgia, at the Atlanta, Georgia Dome. Like six, they used to get 60,000, 70,000 people at a, at a convention. And uh, I remember standing on stage and, and you're, doing the, you're doing the hype, right? You're like, oh, any of you can do this. You can change your life. You can do this. Yeah. And I'm going, any of you can do this. But in my heart of hearts, I'm going, but most of you won't. Yeah. You know, so you feel like a fake. You're talking about how great life is to make 20, 30, 40, 50,000 dollars a month and buy your daughter a horse and you got this lifestyle and da, 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 da. but in your heart of hearts you know that your girlfriend, my girlfriend at the time back then, she was packing her stuff up at least twice a week talking about moving out, moving in with her mom because I'm working 70 hours a week. So wow. there was no balance, there was no priorities, there was no, you know, relationship with God at the time to keep me on track. It was just work make money appear successful so that people are impressed so that they follow you so you can make more money and it was just it was so superficial that uh until it was taken away and i had a year to look at it be depressed but still feel like this has to be happening for a reason there's got to be a reason this is happening there has to be a reason and then literally it was exactly a year november to november and then everything altered everything shifted like i said it was like he said okay can you hear me now i have some like years i got a plan here and all of your nonsense is slowing up the plan can yeah. we get back on track and everything altered everything altered my my work my business my wife my children everything everything but health i haven't got back to the gym yet but that's coming <laughs> well i mean it's not it's a. Uh just not going to the gym is like not all health right like <laughs> like you can still eat healthy and everything nope. right don't no. even do that <laughs> wow. i wish i'd be lying wow. if i said i did wow no, that's wow. next that's next that's you a gotta, one piece you gotta do that and man. you know i really do because i was telling someone the other day you, know, you watch people chase wealth neglecting their health but the problem is they're going to end up having to spend their wealth trying to regain their health either way either way, either way. pay now pay later yeah what is to say they say in life you'll pay two prices, the price of discipline or the price of regret. And if you had a scale, the price of discipline would weigh ounces, but the price of regret would weigh tons. Either way, though, you're going to pay a price. <laughs> That's so true. Either way, you're going to pay a price. That's so true. I don't actually know how much time. Actually, I can check how much time we're at right now. Check this. Yeah. Oh, we just passed an hour and a half. Wow. Okay. That's not bad. Oh, we were a lot longer around. Oh. That's really good. So let me uh, ask you something quick. Anything. Just about uh, behaviors, habits, mm -hmm. um, more so behaviors. What behaviors, because we were just talking about like you had to grow up and everything. What behaviors did you have to instill in yourself mm -hmm. to get to the point you're at now of being more successful and everything just opening up for you? after the fall <laughs> yeah uh the 100 percent, it was authenticity number one mm. um being vulnerable um would be the biggest two my relationship with god is on a on a level i can't i know that it's real because the the habitual addiction that i spoke of yeah you don't even know how many times stop started stop started stop started but the minute this change happen it's been effortless hmm. but i was efforting trying to stop yeah because it's almost like i was feeling like it was in my strength 
you know, like we, we you'll hear people say, work like it's up to you, but pray like it's up to God, <laughs> mm. right? Or you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. It's, 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 it's so interesting when I look at it now, how clear it is. But it, when I was in it, I couldn't see through it. So you asked what, what were the habits or behaviors? It was just getting real, just becoming real. So when I start talking to people and not having this air of, I've got it all put together. Most people don't have it put together. Everyone pretends they have it put together. Of course. Because they're afraid of how they're going to be perceived by other people. We're so deathly afraid of what other people are going to think. Yep. But the minute you find the courage to be transparent or vulnerable and take the mask off and go, this is who I am. I was a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) I was full of pride. I was full of ego. And I was thinking I was better than people. I know my heart was to inspire them to follow me so they could have a better life but that's not what they heard and when it was all taken away and you're humbled and you're like i'm no different than you right i I, what i chose to do with my life was different so i got some different results and some financial success but i wasn't a good steward of it so it was taken away and here i am again but what's good is knowing what it takes to get there and all it takes is doing what most people won't be willing to do getting up early that's a discipline whether it's it's no different in in health and wellness or fitness you got to do what most people aren't willing to do you got to you got to sacrifice some things right you got to get uncomfortable you got to take action so success isn't to become successful a lot of people think it's it's really hard it's really changing a handful of habits like we are a product of our habits yeah but you think about there's successful people in the world so they leave clues <laughs> If you emulate what successful people do, you will become successful. So if I want to be successful in my marriage, I have to put the work in and emulate people that have successful marriages and then study them. And what do you find? Oh, they have open communication. They have trust. They have respect for each other. It's not rocket science, True. (laughs) but implementing or or applying what you learn, that's up to you. Yeah. That's up to you. When it comes to relationships, I study Eric Thomas. Mm-hmm. His wife, yeah, Didi, Didi, and uh, they've been together like years before the fame. Yeah, I love hearing stories like that. Yeah, yeah, love it. Way before the fame. Yeah, she saw something in him. That's why I, I like my girlfriend so much. Yeah, I'm at this point of all this, and she's still like really with me. Yeah, so that's I know that's gonna be like a story down the line. Hundred percent. How she like stuck through all this. All you this know, I'm going <laughs> it's funny. We're talking relationships and I, again, I, I think God has a sense of humor. I really do. I mean, you think about relationships for a second and men and women are wired differently. I don't know if you, I mean, I, that's been my experience, right? Of course. And, and we're both perfectly imperfect, but it's almost like we have two different kind of perceptions. When we look at reality, men are like, okay, I love her the way I found her. Don't, lose a pound don't gain a pound don't cut your hair don't grow your hair don't uh, stay just as i found you right and then women are on the other end going he's perfect i just need to change this 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 and this yeah. <laughs> and it's like we both have this kind of it's almost like god was sitting up there one day and he was bored and he goes you know what it'd be fun <laughs> put men and women together make them completely opposite yeah. <laughs> but you know it's funny you hear opposites attract and my wife and i are complete complete opposites Mm. there's a book called personality plus and studying personalities and temperaments and it it breaks up people into four uh, melancholy choleric phlegmatic 
and uh, sanguine. These are these four personality types, neither here nor there right now. But my wife and I are complete, complete opposites. She is very structured, organized, detailed. Like if she looked at a, a, a poster on a wall, if it was crooked, she can't even focus. Like it's got to be, everything's got to be exact. Shoes need to be lined up side by side. If you look in the coffee cupboard, the coffee handles look like she symmetrically measured the handles. So they're each like, like that. Yeah. I'm absolute mess. Like no organization. I'm like, go someone clean that up behind me. Right. (laughs) Always late. She can't be late. Love high energy. She's very guarded, very going to analyze and study and and got the walls up and we're complete, complete opposites. And in relationships, sometimes it's funny. People will be like, when they're struggling, they'll be like, man, I need to find someone more like me. And they'll consider leaving a relationship to get with someone like themselves. So think of someone that's like totally self-absorbed. They're all about themselves. And their wife is not like that at all. Their wife's very conservative, very reserved, and they're complete opposites. That person that's like all self-absorbed, all about them, thinking they want like this, maybe, you know, this person that's just like them. Now you got two people that are both self-absorbed, all about themselves. That won't work. Yeah, of course not. It won't work. And so there'll be the conflict. It's actually true when they say opposites attract because you complement each other. Remember in Jerry Maguire, you complete me, right? Yeah. It's very, very true. My wife is my life. And when I started to literally, I'm talking a month that I've been like waking up every morning at four, but I'm like making sure like uh, the dogs, we have three dogs. They sleep in the bed with us. (laughs) That's her. So I'm up at four and I'm downstairs in the living room and I get up and I read scripture and I read my Proverbs every day because there's 31 Proverbs. So it's very simple. Just whatever day of the week it is, you just correspond it with that. And I read my daily bread for a half hour and then I read my personal development book and then I do some YouTube motivation stuff. But as soon as my wife wakes up, the dogs jump off the bed and I hear the little feet hit the floor yeah, and she goes to the bathroom and then they all come down. So I, as soon as I hear that, they jump off the bed. I put my book down. I go to the sliding door out to the backyard. I open it because the dogs, as soon as they come down, they go straight outside. But if the door is not open, they jump up and they bang and they bark at the door and that irritates her. Yeah, yeah. But it was when I started realizing, Rod, life's not about you. You got to serve others and think of others first and be others focused. All of these things started altering. Like, how can I make life easier for my wife? Yeah. And everything changed. So I put the coffee on. As soon as she wakes up, I walk, I open the door to the dogs go out. I go over and I make her coffee. By the time she comes down, I'm standing there with a coffee for her. Mm-hmm. It's little things like that. Yeah. But it's not that she needs a coffee. It's that she can now see I'm thinking about her first. Yeah. Everything alters. Of course. Your whole world changes. And it's like happy wife, happy life, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. So it, it changed the dynamic in the whole house with the kids, with just everything. And it's a little thing. Yeah, it's a little amazing. thing. It's crazy. I like that. I like that a lot. I try to, well, I, we don't live together mm-hmm. uh, yet, but when we do, I'm going to try and do stuff like that because we are quite opposite. I'm very entrepreneurial. Yep. I'll like, I'll start things like this. I'll do all sorts of stuff. She's very like nine to five. Yes. That's she, my wife. Yeah. She's like a manager. And, mm-hmm. like, she's very. And those are two different worlds. Yeah. It's so different. Two different worlds. My, uh, my wife, uh, she's an EA with special needs. Mm. kids with the catholic school board so she works with like kids with autism tourette's and down syndrome and and all that and it's it's that job you know she's very safety security conscious yeah well an entrepreneur is a risk taker so those are two complete 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 but truthfully they want the same thing 
the, the, the job mentality wants the safety and the security, the guaranteed paycheck and the pension and the benefits. The entrepreneur wants the safety and the security of, I'm going to determine that financial independence is only available if I have, like, I got to get overpaid. Yeah. Jobs don't overpay people. Yeah, Businesses exactly. overpay people. You have leverage, you have, or you have something that you can scale and grow to be overpaid. Yeah. But truthfully, we both want the same things, safety and security, but we think working for myself is safety and security because if they can give me a paycheck, they can give me a pink slip. Yeah, exactly. But her mindset is, no, the guaranteed paycheck. Yeah. Safe, secure. Yeah, it's, and it's weird because, like, even though she is like that, I do see, like, I'm like, I'm like, if she was, I'm like, I'm like, you could, you could start a business. I'm like, you could be like an event planner. I'm like, yeah. you could go do this. Like, you can do that. You it doesn't charge, work. It doesn't land for like her. twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, <laughs> for like one gig. I, she's I, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I plant seeds. My my wife used to compete in uh, fitness. Okay. Uh, OPA, and uh, it's it's interesting because so I see her on stage, you know, winning, you know, first place and stuff like that, and I'm like, okay, so now transfer that into like online and you can have people because i'm always thinking right. of ways to monetize passion turn your passion into profit yeah right because then it's not work so whatever i don't care what you're passionate about if you can figure a way to monetize and turn your passion into profit to me you'll be happy <laughs> but it, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work like that for her because the stress of it yeah there's a process well there's right? no guarantee like, there's the work yeah the process in the beginning like, um, but it's in the funny, it's funny when I think about businesses that I've built and in the beginning, it's almost like in a job, you know, and I, I don't knock jobs anymore. I used to, mm -hmm. I do not knock jobs anymore. I have one now, uh, during the day I love, but I love it. Um, but I used to make fun. I used to go, okay, in a job you work, you get paid, you work, you get paid and you continue to work in order to get paid. When does that end? It doesn't when you die. Right. Yeah. But in a business, it's almost like you work and you work and you work and you work and you get paid. And then you work and you work and you work and you get paid. And then you work and you work and you get paid. Then you work and you get paid. And then you just get paid. So in the beginning, you feel like you're undercompensated for your efforts. Yeah, of course. Because in a job, you're trading time for money. Work an hour, get paid an hour. Work a week, get paid a week. You're trading time for money. In a business, you're not trading time for money. You're trading maybe concepts and ideas for money or service or product for money. It's a completely different world. Of course. But in the beginning, you feel like you're over undercompensated for your efforts because your brain is still thinking about the time that I'm putting in. And if you're a job mentality thinking, you're thinking of a job, which is I'm working this many hours, I should get paid this much. But in a, in a business, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. But in the end, you're disgustingly overpaid for your efforts. Yeah. But you got to be able to go through that. Mm. Not everybody can do that. Yeah. 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 You know what? And that's actually a good point that you bring that up because what I really want from this whole podcast that I'm doing is I want people who are working nine to fives who like mm -hmm. really feel like they can move out of that or like are inspired to. I want to I want to show them that there is a way, mm. but I guess there is a process wanna, yeah there's a process but also i guess there is a warning that like yeah it isn't for everybody it, it isn't for everybody i will say that and i i caution people how they would do it uh, when i'm coaching people uh that have jobs and then you know kind of coaching them on a side hustle we'll mm -hmm. call it a side hustle um i always say set set kind of like a structure and my structure is first thing you want three to six months 
of what's going to be an emergency fund. So whatever you make, and in jobs, let's say people make anywhere between three month, three grand a month, four grand a month, five grand a month, or six grand a month. That's pretty much middle income, middle market. Yeah. Right. Three grand a month to six grand a month. There's people that make more. There's people that make less. But let's call it three, four, five, or six. Mm -hmm. That's pretty broad brush. Yeah. Right. I say so. Let's say you make four grand a month at your job after tax. You take home four grand a month. Mm -hmm. So you're playing hide and seek for a grand a week somewhere. So three months of that. If you get into some side hustle, the money you start making, if you have a desire to become a full-time entrepreneur, the money you start making is not to go party and go think you're going to go change your lifestyle. If your job, if your, if your goal is to leave that job, you need to bank every cent you make so that you have three months, so call it 12 grand, put away. So when you make that career change, if that's what you desire to do, it's a comfortable career change because it's easy to make money when you don't need to make money. It's hard to make money when you need to make money. So yeah. when I coach people that are in like commission sales and they're like desperate, I'm like, that must be really hard to close business. Cause you're sitting there doing a presentation. You think you're killing it. Cause you know, your product or, you know, your service, you're doing your presentation. And the person on the other side of the counter is sitting there going, yeah. what's that smell? What do you mean? You smell that? No. What do you smell? Smell smells like desperation. <laughs> And it's nothing you say. It's your energy because you're trying to do a presentation and the subconscious is going, oh, man, the hydro is going to get cut off. And, man, myself, the rent's two months behind or the mortgage. Yeah. All of that is going on in your space. Your energy. People don't buy products and services. People buy you. Yeah. If they like you and they trust you, they're going to do business with you. It's true. So I do a lot of coaching with people that are in business like sales, but they're depressed. It's very hard to sell when you're depressed. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to do anything. It's hard to do anything when you're depressed. Of course. You can't even get out of bed. You're attracting that, that energy. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. So yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah, you know what? I will take that back then. Anybody can do it. If you have the desire to do it as you Mm -hmm. brought up before. And also if you have the proper cushion or proper prep before you make that jump. Yeah. Cause for me, I didn't actually, I did have a, a bit of a cushion. I was provided a cushion from somebody like out of nowhere and i was like what the fuck mm. it was very weird it was very weird the way things happened yeah i get you 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 two wouldn't call it weird you call it divine <laughs> intervention the way it happened <laughs> but um yeah i got that i got that cushion and it made it a lot easier to learn all the skills that i know now yeah like a lot easier so i guess that's what people need the most of is is prep and yeah. a cushion to get it to get it started yeah. but um i guess let's talk more about Hmm. What else can we touch on right now? You know what? You keep talking about the businesses, mm-hmm. right? And these business opportunities. And yeah. basically, this is like uh, I can't really brand it as like what, like this is like affiliate marketing that you're doing. Like like mm-hmm. what kind of businesses are these? Uh, well, my I got my start in business in the MLM network marketing world. So. Yeah. I mean, I started in Amway. I spent five years with Amway. Then Melaleuca was a company I worked with. Then Quorum Alarms. Then New Skin. Then Party Light. And these were all great companies. Wow. Uh, I never made any money in any of them. But um, but <laughs> I, I learned a lot. I mean, I spent a decade. From 1993 to 2003, I was in a bunch of different companies. Wow. I spent more money than I made. I really did. And I thought I was failing. But it wasn't until I ended up in financial services in 2004 that I realized everything I learned in those 10 years, a decade of trying to build businesses, yeah. it was my boot camp. 
It huh. was my 10,000 hours. It was my reading books and personal development and listening to their tapes back then, but CDs and like just growing my belief about what I thought I was worth. Cause you're, you're constantly listening to people that are successful telling you that it's possible. So you get the belief that it's possible. Wow. So that's what it was. It was MLM network marketing. And I, I'm very passionate about that industry. I just, my heart goes out to a lot of people that are in it because it's not easy. And there's a lot of people um, that get kind of taken into these things because they're real good. Once you get good at whatever the business is and you get some success and then they put you up on a stage and you're smooth, you're slick. I mean, you can, you can pitch it and you can make it sound so good and people are hurting, right? So the people that are there and someone's going, you can do this. I believe in you. I will work with you. And, and you're, you're looking for a savior, you know, because yeah. you hate your job. It's not paying you enough. You're struggling. And they're up there making it sound like, you know, if you have enough room on your credit card for our starter kit and the monthly auto ship, yeah. we're going to make you rich. And that's just not the case. If they're not going to be willing to put in the work, there's no such thing as get rich quick, right? There's not, there's no such thing. But a lot of these companies I've seen, and I, I don't, I'll never call names because there's good people in all of them and there's not good people in all of them so of it's not the company they're all good companies they're all opportunities but here's the thing for most of them the people that get involved in them they're not entrepreneurial minded not everyone's entrepreneurial minded and that's okay that yeah. there's nothing wrong with that yeah but if you're not going to be willing to do personal development to grow your belief about what you think you're worth you're not going to be willing to turn off reality tv and go to some meetings and some trainings and personally develop you're not going to be willing to do the work you're not gonna be willing to change. You can't expect a different life if you're not willing to become a different person. And they make it sometimes sound like you can just sign up and the money truck's gonna back up and dump money on your lawn. And that's that's just not the case. Wow. Not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. That is very well, I mean, I've only been involved in one mm-hmm. and uh I just kinda like made my money back and I was like, ah, I don't really want to do yeah. this anyway. Like yeah. I was entrepreneurial minded, but like what I was doing wasn't, it wasn't the thing. Yeah. Tell. On that point though, like, cause I know you're going to have lots of listeners listening to this for most people though, it is the number one way or the only shot at financial independence because to become financially independent, you, you do have to be, you know, like Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad. He talks yeah. about being an employee, self-employed business owner or an investor. <laughs> and for most people, MLM network marketing is the best option because there's a system already in place. There's a product or a service, there's leadership and leadership is everything. Like people that try to become self-employed and do their own thing. Sometimes MLMs are great because at least the, the support and the encouragement of strong leaders, like I always say to people, show me anything that's successful, anything that's working. You can show me a successful sports franchise, a successful business, a successful church. I don't care if it's boy scouts or girl guides. You show me anything that's successful. I'll show you somewhere in the midst, there's a leader at work. Yeah. Always. Everything rises and falls on leadership. So when I think about these businesses, for most average ordinary people, when I started in MLM network marketing, most businesses, you got accounts payable, you got accounts receivable, you got overhead, you got inventory, you got startup costs, you got all these things, which is why most businesses, 95% of them are going to fail. The five that make it, it's years before they see a profit. And then you get people that aren't entrepreneurial minded come out to a 
an event or an opportunity meeting for a company and it's going to be 300 or 500 or a thousand to start. And they're like, I don't know. With no overhead, no inventory, no accounts receivable, no accounts payable, like a business in a box. (laughs) It's actually a great opportunity for someone to have a shot, but most people aren't predisposed to opportunity. It's almost like, are you familiar with Ray Kroc? Do you know who Ray Kroc is? Ray Kroc. No, I haven't heard. He's the founder of McDonald's. Oh, okay. And I share this story often because I grew up working at McDonald's. It was my first job. I started August the 4th, 1986 at four o'clock on the Fry Station. Minimum wage was $3.15 an hour. Wow. So I'm was, probably dating my age. But I was like four months old. You were four months old. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the best training. I tell people everybody should have your children work discipline and everything else. It's a great, great place to work. But the Ray Kroc story speaks about entrepreneurial minded versus job mentality mind. And a lot of people, you think about this for a second in the sixties, Ray Kroc was the founder of McDonald's and he used to rent hotels and he would do presentations about McDonald's opportunity, McDonald's franchise. And you could buy one of these McDonald's franchises, call it for $860 us. And he would <laughs> now watch this. Now he would do presentations about the fries are going to be like this and the milkshakes and the burgers and the uniforms. He'd do, he'd do it all up. He'd do these presentations and you got to change that. No, 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 this is just... a, this story is crazy because here you got to think about this. People would sit in those meetings, average, ordinary people, jobs. Yeah. yeah. And he's selling them on the vision of owning a McDonald's franchise, $860 us. People would leave those meetings, Colin, go out in the parking lot. And they'd say to their husband or wife, if that guy thinks I want to shake French fries and flip burgers for the rest of my life, he's crazy. Wow. Could you imagine? Think about those people today. They might be in their late 60s, 70s. Could you imagine? How frequently would they be reminded of their closed mindedness? (laughs) Could you imagine? Like every block. Could you imagine they're driving in the car? They got the grandkids in the back. Grandma, grandpa, can we go to McDonald's? Shut up. <laughs> you know, you'd be like, we're going to Wendy's, you know, because wow. that's they're not predisposed. That's crazy to an opportunity. So I have friends that are in MLM network marketing and they're out there trying to pitch it to people that are just not predisposed to an opportunity. Hmm. It's only a small percentage of people that are entrepreneurial minded. You know, and for most of them, if they're not making enough money to cover their their monthly auto ship within 30, 60, 90 days, they're done. So there's this huge attrition, very low retention. Mm. And that's why I'm passionate about coaching people in that genre, in MLM and network marketing, because every one of them can win because the system's in place and there is somebody making money in all of them. Go ahead. Yep. So all they have to do is commit that they're going to be coachable and walk in the footsteps of someone that's already done what it is that they need to do to become successful in that. Pick a product, pick a service that you're passionate about or else it won't be authentic and follow what someone is doing that's already successful. You'll be successful. But everyone's always like, leader says, here's what you need to do to be successful in our business. Step one, step two, step three, step four, all the way to step 10. You know what people do? They go, step one and two look good. Three's not bad but I ain't doing number four (laughs) and they think they're going to be successful. Yeah. (sighs) Can't do it. That's, that's actually one of the reasons I took up reading. Cause like there's so many billionaires that I like, I study. Yeah. There's so many millionaires that I study and there's so many successful people that I'm always like taking in what they say. 
They always and, talk about reading. And I'm always yeah. like, yeah, I'm just not going to read. I'll do everything else. <laughs> I'll be successful without reading. <laughs> I'll, do I'll show else. them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll, just, I'll just do everything else. Why yeah. Not? But yeah, yeah you, you need to you need to follow yeah. the process. Yeah. You need to trust the process. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, I remember as, as building teams back years ago and I had one perceived leader and he didn't want to go to the meetings. And I'm like, okay, help me understand this. Help me, help me understand this. You don't want to go to the meetings. He goes, I can be a leader without going to those meetings. You know, those meetings, all that rah, rah. I don't really need that stuff. Oh, I said, rah, rah. um, that's as silly as the guy that sits on the bench at the football game and says, you know, I don't really need one of those helmet thingies. Yeah. But you know what? He's right. If he's sitting on the bench, he doesn't need a helmet thingy. Mm. If he's out in the field and he's playing, he needs a helmet thingy. Yeah. So this leader was sitting back. He wasn't actually out there doing what the activities. He was sitting back thinking, I'm just going to collect what are called overrides on my team. So he wasn't engaged in the game, which means he's not taking the hits, yeah. which means he's right. He doesn't need a helmet thingy. Yeah. Because the meetings and the trainings was the motivation and the inspiration that grew your belief so you could stand up to the hits and the negative and the doubters and the naysayers, all of that stuff for someone that's engaged. It rolls off your like water on a duck's back. Yeah. But if you're not engaged, you're not taking any hits. You're not out there trying. You can just sit in your bubble going, oh, I can be successful whenever I want. All I got to do is make a decision. Yeah. But they don't. They just never do. Yeah. Why don't people make that decision? You Fear. 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 Fear of failure. Mm. For some fear of success. Uh, fear of failure is the biggest one. You know, that we've we've failed before obviously and it's that pain again i don't ever want to feel that pain again so they don't want to take actions that could put them in a predicament where they could experience that pain again so they won't even take the actions it's it's all fear 100 percent fear and the fear comes from worrying about what other people are going to think and it's i've coached a lot of people i'm like how do i get you to be more fearful of not changing and remaining the same See, because whichever, there's always going to be a fear. There's a fear of change or a fear of remaining the same. And whichever one's greater is going to win. Yep. So if my fear of remaining in life where I am right now, right? If that is greater than the fear of getting uncomfortable to take some different actions to get a different result, I'm not going to take those actions to get a different result because the fear of staying the same is greater, which will cause me to take those actions. It's which fear is bigger. You're either afraid to stay the same or you're afraid to make the change. Yeah. E either way is fear. But wh which one's bigger? Mm. That'll cause what's going to happen. Uh, fear. False yeah. evidence appearing real. <laughs> oh, wow. That's I like fear. That. That's I like fear. That. It's not real. You should make that into a shirt. Do you know fear and fear and faith can't exist in the same body, in the same mind? That's 100% true. You can't. You can't. If you have faith, how can you have fear? Yeah. So if you're fearful, it just means in that moment you're choosing not to have faith because you can't have both. Hun yeah. Yeah. I've learned that. I've been learning that. I've been learning that a lot yeah. recently. It's the same with um, I watch people that are wanting to become successful in business. They want to become financially independent. They want to become financially prosperous but they have a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. The biggest one, and I used to be in the space where I see a lot of leaders, they're in maybe a business and someone will leave their team and go to another company. 
And all of a sudden they'll have a meeting with their team going, okay, Sally left. She's gone to XYZ company. Any of you that have her on Facebook, make sure you block her because she's going to want to take all your friends and she's going to poach all your people. And I'm like, how exactly do you believe you're going to become financially independent, which is thinking of abundance, but at the same time, you got a scarcity mindset, worried about Sally leaving. The reason Sally's leaving is because she didn't make any money, which means she didn't build any business. So she's not really probably an influencer that's going to take any people. Number one. Number two, let go and let God. Yeah. <laughs> he, can't, he can't hold on tight. Go, no, no, but I want to become financially independent and there's this world of abundance. But let me hang on to this little piece. Hmm. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah, yeah. I always um I always find these interviews end up being quite the mirror for like what I need to hear. It's like free little therapy sessions for <laughs> successful people that I get. <laughs> That's awesome. That's but, good. But yeah, yeah, you're you're completely right about that. I experienced it's that funny. exact same thing. It's so funny you just mentioned therapy sessions. Um we uh we used to have in the business, like I, we built some large teams, like to the tune of growing by 80 to a hundred people a month. One company I was building, we, we grew by 80 to a hundred people a month really? for almost a decade, but it was in financial services. So they had to get a license, pass a test. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would license maybe 15 to 20 people, some months, 10 to 15 people out of 80 to a hundred. And we were like the number one licensing team in all of Canada, but we were licensing 10, 15 or 20 people a month, which is huge. But you got to remember that's 80 people a month that are upset and ticked off that are running around saying it's a scam. It's a pyramid. It's a cult. Only you make money and blah, 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 all this negative. Yeah. 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 But most of the people were only there for free therapy. Like you said, therapy, they were there for the warm hugs and high fives and the, the rah, rah, la, la, la. But they weren't willing to do anything to go change their life. They just huh. felt good. They're like, I like coming here. I just feel good. Wouldn't you feel better if you made some money? <laughs> you know? yeah. But no, no, just here to just tell me I can do it. But you're not doing it. I know. But just tell me again I can. You know, and it's it was tough. It was it was hard. Yeah. Um, that that shows that people are just like looking for somebody to really hundred percent just push them in that way 100 percent. and then like it's it's maybe it's not that they never will but they're so low on the the scale of being entrepreneurial minded or taking that step that every time that they hear that it builds them up a bit just like you were saying you had 10 years of that yeah and that really like pushed you it really comes down to i mean it's it's the same in like um personal training I have a friend, Nina, she was a personal trainer, fitness competitor. My wife's done it, fitness and personal training. And you think about it logically, everybody knows if you get sleep, you eat well and you exercise, you're going to be in shape. It's not rocket science. We all know this. It's really But do we all do this? No. Why? We need someone to tell us we can do it so we can believe in it. Yeah. We need someone to encourage us. We need someone to inspire us. We need someone to hold us accountable. Mm. Right? We can't do that on our own. But it's the same in business. There's success principles. You could go read them in a book. There's millions of books, right? If self-help books worked, you'd only need one. <laughs> Why do we keep writing them? The Bible really? was written. It was the greatest self-help book. We didn't actually need any other books, but there's all these books. There's people making a living on self-help books. The reason they're making a living on them is because they can rewrite another book. The person hasn't read the first one. They thought it was a self-help book, but it's at home on the shelf. So it's a shelf-help book. 
Yeah. They're not so reading true. it. And if they read it, they don't apply it. You know, so you know how many times I've told people I'm like, oh Tony Robbins, like he basically yeah. says what Jim Rohn says, and they're like, who's Jim Rohn? I've like, never oh. heard of Jim Rohn. I'm like, oh that's oh, wow. Why. I'm like, dude, and then, then like he's basically saying what Napoleon Hill saying. Yeah, and they're like, who's that? Who's that? And I'm like, he's basically saying what Earl Nightingale. Earl Nightingale about. said, yes. <laughs> and yeah. And they're like, the Wait greatest, a the greatest secret. Yeah. yeah. All of it, it. It's so interesting that it all kind of, you know comes through and it's funny with social media now too because i kind of been watching kind of got kind of wrapped up in that and i watch all these what are called influencers now of course and uh but there's again back to authenticity i mean there's there's green screens and people standing in front of beaches and i'm in front of my house right now and i and they're living in their parents basement yeah talking about financial prosperity and this and that and you can have it all and there's more life coaches out there that are 22 years old I'm like, well, life coach, don't you have to have life experience? And I'm not trying to be critical, but at some point you got to go, ha, 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 how are you going to be a life coach at 22? Yeah, that's right. And you should be critical of it, I think. It's, um, it's, it's how? I don't know. I've, I've, I've watched so many of these people, like I just said, all those people that I mentioned. Um, yeah. And you have to have more experience. 100%. You just do. Well, and you're coaching so from your experience to give a perspective. Yeah. So I think about how many people I've coached over the years, but I know my 2019 season of coaching is going to be like nothing I've ever done before. Of course. Because it's coming from a place of humility. It's coming from a place of relatability. It's coming from a place of transparency, authenticity. It's coming from a place that I've never been before. Exactly. But I'm 47 years old. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, that's that's why when I said I was listening to David Goggins yeah. when you came in, when you listen to David Goggins story, like right now he doesn't consider himself a coach, but like for me listening to him, he's like a mindset coach. Yeah. And it's because he's had a, a tr very traumatic life, his early life. Then he became a Navy seal. Mm. So it becomes bald, like yeah. bald head guys. Yeah. 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 Very ripped. He says, uh, I heard the N word more times than yeah. Is that him. Yeah. He's powerful. Yeah. Cause he grew up in the Midwest, What's his name? right? D David Goggins. Yeah. 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 Navy and seals. Yeah. He had to go through the training three times. Yeah. Yeah. Not once. Yeah. It's the hardest training in the world. He had to go through it three, three times. Three yeah. Different times. Yeah. I was listening and to him a couple weeks ago. He's, he, he's powerful. Yeah. And when you listen to like everything that he talks about, you're like, Hey, this guy has like a lot of life experience. Yeah. Like, this is different. He's been on the battlefield. He's seen people get killed. Yeah. He's had to see all sorts of yeah. things. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you see like these twenty two year olds and I and I've been watching now because I, yeah. I, I myself want to become a coach. Yeah. In terms of like high performance and mindset. Yeah. And when I I started adding a lot of coaches to see what they do, because that's what I do. I really yeah. like investigate yeah. things when I get into it. And I saw a lot of different coaches. And I was like, huh, I'm like, this doesn't make I'm like, what are they doing? Like, yeah. And then a lot of them were like, and no offense to any women that are very mm -hmm. hot, but a lot of them were like hot women that mm -hmm. were just like posting certain things. And I was sure. like, this is very, I'm like, I'm not understanding. I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing the congruency yeah. towards yeah. like what you're talking what about. What your message is. Yeah. yeah and who you are. Yeah. The messaging is odd. Yeah. But when I see David, David Goggins, I'm like, it's There's real. the message. It's real. The real. Yeah. The authenticness. And and it, and when you take that approach, you stand out like crazy because people are so used to it all being this way. And then all of a sudden you're authentic. And it's like it hit me the other day. Um, I was telling Todd, I got a lot of things have been happening this last month, like that are just unexplainable. Like, mm. like I said, things are happening and shifting and aligning almost effortlessly. But what's crazier is things that are coming out of my mouth that that I don't recognize. 
Yeah. Right. Like I, I got a call last week and it was to do a speaking engagement and uh, it's for at risk teens. I think I might've been telling you about yeah, this. You told me. And he said, you know, I'd like you to, would you be interested in speaking uh, a, a speaking engagement? And I said, oh, okay. Tell me, tell me more. He said, yeah, it's, it's an event we're having for at risk teens. We, and we would love to have you speak. I said, I would at risk teens. I've never spoke for at risk teens. I said, I would love to speak for at risk teens. I said, as long as you promise not to pay me. And I literally <laughs> call it, it came out of my mouth and I was like, where'd that come from? Yeah. It was the weirdest, weirdest, the weird. I got chills that I was like, but it felt so good. It felt so good because I'm like, you're telling me you're trying to put something together to help at-risk teens. And I'm sitting here thinking about the, the year that I just had about being humbled and ego and all the money that I made. And I had, there was a period of time that I had two Lexus SUVs in my driveway. Mine was 1700 a month and my girlfriend's at the time was 800 a month. Mm. So we had $3,000 a month in car payments before gas or insurance on those two vehicles, three grand. Yeah. But if you're making 30, 40, 50 grand a month, you don't think about it. But there's no need for that. No, no. There's no need for that. And so now God (laughs) says, okay, takes everything away. And can you hear me now? I'm going to 10x it for you. But do you think no matter what I make in the future, I would ever need $3,000 in car payments? I got a Ford Explorer out there right now. I will drive that into the ground. I don't care what I make. For what? To impress people to follow me? That's what my mindset was in all these years was make as much money as you could so you can impress broke people to follow you so you can build your business. I didn't real that wasn't what I was saying, but that's in essence what I was doing. Yeah. And it's unnecessary. Yeah. It's, it's not real. It teach and go figure. God puts me in now an affiliate marketing thing, uh, an affiliate marketing play where I can educate people around the world online, how to get out of debt. And it teaches financial concepts about being fiscally responsible living within your means, not impulse shopping, delayed gratification, not having status, getting out of debt, not paying, using credit card. All of that stuff is now where God's put me to now coach people. <laughs> and I'll be able to use my own testimony about what success and status was versus humility and financial literacy. Yeah. And I'm like, how did this happen? How did this happen? It's not me. Wow. It's not me. So, um, where can people find you or like, what do you have going on right now that you want people to know about? Um, I just yeah. like to do that before mm-hmm. I ask the last yeah. question. Yeah. I, uh, Facebook is the easiest. Um, definitely Facebook. I, I do a lot of connecting and, and coaching through Facebook, um, learning Instagram. Yeah. I don't even have a Twitter account. Don't have a LinkedIn account. That's all being set up right now. I've okay. put some people in place that know more about that stuff than me. So Facebook is, is the, is the main um, literally today launched uh, a public figure page um, for some of the things, some of the projects that we're working on right on, now on Facebook, on Facebook's <coughs> public figure called? page, Rod Norville. It's okay. just the name Rod Norville um, and doing some of that kind of coaching and mentoring uh, around the world. But it's a lot of it's, you know, around my background. My passion is financial services because finances is killing people. I mean, it, it it's tough. It really is. And I tell people like, that's why it, it, they go together. I'm passionate about helping people become entrepreneurial because I believe you should have a supplemental income, right? Because if, if uh, have your job, that that's great. Have your job. But in the event of a layoff or downsizing or uh, just the cost of living going up, but your job doesn't pay you an increase to stay up with that. 
you know, you got kids and everything else. And it's just, it's, it's crazy to me that people today don't have a second source of income when there's so many opportunities with social media and, and online digital marketing. And there's so many different things you can do. If you have a Facebook account, an Instagram account, uh, a, a Twitter, account, all these, that's access to reach people. Yeah. So now you just got to find a product or a service that you're passionate about and be able to offer value that's in like in um, higher than price. I always say people go, well, should I price it? I go, price is irrelevant. Price is only an issue in the absence of value. Price is only an issue in the absence of value. If I said to you, Colin, that's a nice, I like that, I like that sweat, I like that top, bro. I mean, is that the most expensive top you could have bought? No. Is that the least expensive top you could have bought? No. What you want to believe as a consumer, which everybody is, yeah. is that you got the best value for the money you spent for that top. True or false? Yeah, definitely. So anything you put together today, product or service, you just have to have the value exceed the cost or the price. And because of social media, you have access to a worldwide market that you can promote your product or service to. Mm -hmm. And the challenge in business isn't knowing your product or service. Anyone with some time committed to learning a product or service, you can learn a product or service. The challenge is having an unlimited number of people to expose your product or service to. Unlimited exponential potential clients or customers. Yeah. But there's avenues on social media to create that. There's Facebook ads and posting and all these different things. And there's people that will teach you how to do it and to leverage networks. And there's all of this stuff. It's almost impossible to fail unless you're not willing to search out the information. The information's out there. It yeah. really is. So I'm passionate about helping people understand. First, I just want to know, is there things in your life that you want that you can't achieve doing what you're currently doing? And if they go, no. Okay. I'm not begging somebody. <laughs> To say, please let me make you successful. Please, please, please let me. I figured out in life there's a couple things you can't do. You can't nail jello to a wall. Have you ever tried that? You can't. You can't nail. You, you can't. You cannot nail jello to a wall. You cannot push a rope. It'll coil up on you. Yeah, of course. The third thing you can't do is you cannot make someone want to be an entrepreneur and make them successful if they don't want to be an entrepreneur or be successful. You cannot. You yeah. will drive yourself to drink. And there are people that are probably listening to this right now and they are beating themselves up about their business isn't growing. And if they looked at most of the people they're sharing it with, they're not the people that they should be sharing it with. The people they should be sharing it with are on the other side of their paper called their chicken list. Mm. But they're sharing it with people that they already, because of fear of failure and fear of rejection, they think that they're better than. It's all ego. So if I make $30 an hour and I have a side hustle, I'm willing to share it with someone that makes $25 an hour. Because I'm like, I make 30, I'm doing this. And then the guy that gets in uh, $25 an hour, he'll share it with someone that makes $20 an hour. And it keeps going. Mm -hmm. And eventually you have someone that's making $15 an hour, joins that business, and he's talking to the guy on the corner of the street downtown homeless holding the sign that says, I bet you can't hit me with a toonie. Yeah. And that's not a disrespect because maybe there's circumstances that, that, uh, that put that individual in that position. I'm going Christmas Day. Uh, with a friend of mine, Edmund, it's my first time ever going down to feed homeless um, people downtown Toronto. I've never done it. That's good. I've never done it. But there was a time in my life where I would have thought about doing it so that I could take pictures of it to post it on Facebook. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah, <you> shouldn't, <laughs> Wrong. Shouldn't do that. 
you know, yeah, not at all. I'm not, you know, I feel that now that I said that, I feel bad even sharing that, that I'm doing it mm-hmm. because now I'm thinking, well, why did you even say it? But it was just sharing because I was thinking about the principle of being of, of impact for others or making a difference or sharing, you know, you're blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. The difference between for other people, success and significance. Huge. That's it right there. Yeah. I, I've, achieved perceived success but I wasn't really successful because my marriage wasn't what it should have been my relationship with my family my brother sister mom my 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 daughters wasn't what it should be so you're not really you're not congruent yeah you're not in alignment so the Facebook yep you have going on yep that's uh Rod Norville yep and that's all people have to look up there that's it and um I guess the last question is um for anybody who is about to start their journey mm. or they're just beginning their journey or they're in the midst of it. Yep. Um, and it's business. They've mm. just decided to take the leap and yep. like get rolling. Yeah. What would be your best advice to that person? Only one. Find a mentor. Mm. Find a mentor. But when you find a mentor, make sure they're congruent that what they say is who they are. What they say is who they are. I've had a few mentors in my life and I believe intentions and I believe everybody's good at heart. I don't, as a Christian, I know I've learned to judge the behavior, not the person. Yeah. Right. Cause I believe we're all good, right? We're all children of God, but sometimes our actions and our behaviors aren't in alignment with who we truly are as a child of God. Right. We'll take different actions based on whatever. And sometimes those could be like spiritual bondages or, generational curses and all these things that are going on in this in in the spirit realm right yeah and people are just they're under an influence right definitely so if i find a mentor i want to make sure like i have a mentor right now in my life he's made 11 million dollars in the last 10 years yeah and he's a god-fearing christian i've had mentors in my life before and i'm not listen i I talk a lot about god and i always say i don't want to push my beliefs on people but I'm sitting here and I have the mic and I always say, when you get to sit here and you have the mic, if you believe in your cat fluffy, you want to give all the praise and glory to cat fluffy, you go ahead. But right now I'm sitting here. So that's my belief. Yeah. Right. So I always say to people, you get a mentor, you need a mentor, no matter what you need someone that has been where that is where you want to go, that can show you what they did to get there. But I caution you if what, they say is not who they are. So look at them inside the business and look at them outside the business. How do they treat their kids? How do they treat their wife? How do they treat their husband? How do they treat their team when they're not on the stage? Cause there's a lot of podium talk. There's a lot of, you know, fake it till you make it a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of hype, a lot of rah, rah. And, and um, I'm speaking of a certain world of business but even if it's a, a self-employed business, even yeah, even companies, even companies like or yeah. traditional businesses, you still got to be able to find someone that's an example to follow. Yeah, because you can't get somewhere you've never been if you don't know how to get there. You need a map. You need GPS. You need something to follow. That's a mentor. So, to that, because um, I've always been looking for a mentor, I mm-hmm. have a lot of digital mentors because, mm-hmm. like, I do so much research online. Yep. But how do you find a mentor? How do you go about doing mm. that? How do you actually get that person as a mentor? It's, and again, like I said, choosing a mentor. I mean, there's a level of discernment. 
um, that there's a lot of trust. Like for me, it started with childlike enthusiasm. So I would never blame. I've had good mentors, bad mentors, but it was childlike enthusiasm and blind faith that had me follow a particular mentor in my life. And I was learning by this example what a leader was. And now looking back in comparison to the mentor I have now, um, I can actually look and go, I don't know if I was a leader. There's a lot of people in the world that I've met or spoken to. They'd be like, oh, yeah, Rod Norville, he's a leader. Looking back after the fall, I can honestly say I, I wasn't a leader. I was an influencer, meaning I influenced people to follow me. I could motivate and inspire people to follow me. But if I was a true leader, I would have developed other leaders. Of course. But in influencing people to follow me, um, I, I don't think it's the same thing. So if someone was looking at me saying they wanted me to be their leader, they would have been looking at because I'm making all this money or I'm on the stage and I'm talking or I'm driving this car or I'm wearing these clothes. Um, but if they followed me home and saw me cutting my wife off every time she talked or not letting her finish her sentences or, you know, just dishonoring her in whatever way, you know, I'm walking down the street or I'm driving and a girl drives by and I'm doing one of these. Yeah. You know, that's dishonoring my life. So if they're sitting there watching me, now I'm not congruent. Now they can't trust me. There's no integrity. Like you're on the stage saying this, but then I see you doing that. So who you say you are is not who you are. Yeah. How do I trust you? So how do you how do they go about getting a mentor? Like you have a mentor now. How did yeah. you get that mentor? <laughs> That was, mine was God sent a hundred percent. And I know that. So it's not going to be the case for everybody. Mm-hmm. You have to seek a mentor out. You oh. have, whether it's in a business that you're looking at, there's a lot of people that'll join a business, but the person that signed them up, I'm, I'm picking on cause it's the easiest one to talk about is the world of direct sales or network marketing or multi-level marketing. And it's like the person that signed you up in the business might've joined two days before you. Yeah. Okay. They know this, the blind leading the blind, but eventually up the chain, up the line, there's somebody that's doing it full time. Get on their radar. Show up at the meetings. Be coachable. Get on the webinars, the conference calls. Whatever the system is, you got to be plugged in. Yeah. If you're plugged in, the, the mentor that's the person, they'll figure out who you are because you're going to start getting results. Right? It's like in a business, you got to be plugged in. It's like an iron. If you're an iron and you're plugged in, if you plug in the iron, what happens to the iron? It heats up. Yeah. If you unplug the iron, what happens? The iron cools down so in any of these businesses the ones i'm picking on here there's a system there's webinars there's meetings there's trainings there's conference calls if you're plugged in you heat up if you're not plugged in you cool down if you're plugged in and you heat up you're going to get results and somebody in the upline is going to recognize you you'll get on their radar now that you're on the radar now you have to use discernment and be cognizant of who are they I get what they're saying when they're up there. Man, they're slick. They got all the lines. They got all the objection handling. They're slick. They're smooth. They look good. They smell good. Great. Go buy them a coffee. Yeah. Go buy them a coffee. Say, hey, I'd love to pick your brain. I'm really, you know, I'm passionate about this business. I love the products. I, I really think I can change my life here for my family. My family deserves a better life. I'm willing to do the work. Can I buy you a coffee? They'll say yes. But if you sit down with them for a coffee for an hour and they spend 59 minutes of the hour talking about themselves, what they've done, where they've been, what they have, that's not the mentor. I, yeah, if that's not what you're looking for, right? No. So, like, 
basically I'm trying to break this down for like anybody. So like even if you like you let's say you worked at a company mm-hmm. and you knew that you wanted to be in training, you yeah. get around the people who did the training. Correct. You'd ask those questions. You'd be yeah. like, hey, and you'd even like suggest, hey, can yeah. I pick your brain? Can I get a coffee sometime? Maybe speaking to people because I'm sure you have listeners that have jobs. Yeah, yeah. They're not entrepreneurial yet and they're in their job. You can be in a job like I love my job right now and I'm like this all switched in the last month. I'm a national accounts manager for Duracell and I, I literally um, changed my energy about my job because I'm not working towards my paycheck. I'm working towards my opportunity. So I'm treating it with an entrepreneurial mindset that the company has huge potential for growth. It does. So you work towards your opportunity, not your paycheck. And you will be recognized in the company and you'll be advanced. You should be the most positive person in your work. If you're in a job, but you have an entrepreneurial mindset and you're working towards your opportunity, not the paycheck, because the paycheck's a fixed income. And if you're an entrepreneur, fixed income doesn't work. It's not, it's not congruent with building a business where you can have unlimited income potential, right? Unlimited income potential is what entrepreneurs are appealing like that's what they find appealing of course you get in a job it's a fixed income the challenge with a fixed income is that life is not fixed <laughs> cost of living is not fixed kids wanting needing braces not fixed kids getting hurt and needing something that's not covered by ohip not fixed so if the cost of living is not fixed and your income's fixed that's a challenge but if you have an entrepreneurial mindset you can forget about the fact that your income is fixed you can think about the fact that the opportunity is unlimited because if I outwork everybody here, if I'm more positive, if I show up early, if I stay late, if I'm more committed, I'm going to stand out so I can create opportunity out of a job. Yeah, that's what I was going to say because even as you mentioned that, I'm like, oh, wow, like if you stayed at a job, you could easily become like a trainer. Like if, if they were like, hey, like you could easily train people like the, with the, the skill set that I'm seeing from you right now. I like, would love to do that where yeah. I am right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, that's, but that's, that's nine to five. Yeah. I still have <laughs> five to nine so I can go to work for a company. And then what's my options when I go home, sit on the couch and watch the lives of other people and live vicariously through the lives of people on reality TV. Yeah. Or go to work and build a business for my family. Yeah. Jim yeah. Rohn used to say it nine to five will pay you a living five to nine will pay you a life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I guess the, I guess that's the whole thing with the mentor. Actually stand out and reach out. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Let's wrap it up. This here. has been great. <laughs> Thank you so this much for this. Great. this Two hours and 36 minutes. <laughs> what? Um, no. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Come on. <laughs> and probably longer, right? Because we talked for like a good like. I have no idea what time it is right now. Oh, it's like 10 o'clock. Come on. 1047. Fuck. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got an hour drive home. Yeah, I got yeah. I got an hour drive. Hey, wrap it up. Wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, great. guys, this has been the process. You <laughs> have just seen Mr. Norville speak about all sorts of amazing things. His buddy Todd is actually behind the cameras. You can't see him. Uh, but he's been here and he's been praying for us the whole time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Thank you so much for watching the podcast, the process, the podcast about mindset, habits, and behaviors. Hope you had a good one. Take it easy. Peace. Peace. Holy smokes. Were we really talking that long? Yeah. Are you going to be able to make anything out of that? Like you'll splice it all up and take some? Or I don't know what you do, how you do. I don't you said something about what? Between three and four. Three and four what?
Oh yeah, yeah, four. Yeah, I get up at four. Anything to see Mr. Fucking? Oh, getting up that's at what that time, time I get up. Hey. Four o'clock. Spiritually? Oh, I don't know anything about spiritually. I just know that's when Billy back in Eric Thomas back gets in the day. <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. God would come and walk with Adam. Rod Norville outro. Well, there you have it. That was Rod Norville. <sighs> Rod is a Rod's a Rod's Rod's a special guy. Like you just heard that interview, but there was a whole thing before the interview. He like brought his friend. His friend is like super like into like Christ and God and stuff. He like sat me down and like like grabbed my leg and like pulled it and he said one was longer than the other he straightened it out he like he did a bunch of weird spiritual stuff and <sighs> yeah and it was just really cool me and rod connected on a, a lot of different levels uh the death of our fathers and having to pull ourselves out of uh out of the dumps so to speak and uh yeah it was a really really Really, really fun conversation, really fulfilling conversation. I felt fuller after we talked about this stuff because he is an older gentleman and it was like a bit of a tutelage. I, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And uh, and you can check Rod out again. You know me, Instagram bandit. So I'm on here right now looking up his stuff. Last I checked, his Instagram wasn't like crazy. Rod Norville. His Instagram isn't isn't cracking like it should be. Oh, I can say that all I want. Jesus, he uh, <laughs> has more followers than I do. Okay, he's killing it. Hey, my cousin follows him. Hey, I don't follow him. Why aren't I following him? Boom, now I am following Rod. Um, yeah, if you want to get in touch with Rod, his Instagram is C4 underscore success coaching. That's Rod Norville. That is Rod, just like Rod is spelled. Can't figure that out? Turn the podcast off. Pick up a book. And uh, Norville is N-O-R-V-I-L-L-E. Definitely someone to watch. Definitely someone to learn from. And, uh, yeah, hope you guys had fun listening to that. Until next week, again, no sponsors. No sponsors because sponsors give no love. No love from sponsors for me. So I have no sponsors. This was brought to you by Mike Curiosity. Peace.